This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stone. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? Yeah, like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson, and the boss, Chris Collinsworth, in the house because, Chris, mock draft time, you're one and only. I love this day. I love coming in here and, first of all, letting you two torture my ass in here. It's going to be great. Although, you did put on a Gator shirt, so I appreciate it. I did. I peeled to you with the uh, Go Gators. Yeah. This is my favorite pullover. This is walkthrough Saturday, you know, before the game when you do the walkthrough. And you know certain things aren't quite right yet, but you want to just – if you throw it out there to the universe – and it's, it's sort of like walking down the hallway in PFF. You know you're going to get beat up as you go through there, right? <laughs> and, and so this is the chance for the people who listen to your guys' show, the millions and millions of fans mm-hmm. that you guys mm-hmm. have, to take shots. This is a freebie. This is, this is not even going to be insulting because I'm still putting it together. And oh, so th- this, is, this is one final shot. Throw it out to the public, kind of like they do in politics. They're thinking about doing something, the but then they do yeah. their leak to the New York Times, yeah, yeah. and then they say so get a chance to get beat up in advance. Oh, no, no, we weren't really doing that. We were just thinking about that. So that's kind of where I am with this process. So this is the uh, you know, feel it out process. Yeah, the with, test uh, balloon. Yeah. We float the test balloon. We see how it's going to go, and then you know, we can pull back if it's, yeah. it's too bad. It's but, a test run for all of us because we're all going to be live right here on the YouTube channel Thursday night. You'll be part of round one. I know. Breaking it all down. Rent, renter left. So <laughs> fill in the gap yeah. there. Any yeah. comments? We, we, we going to get into it at all? No, 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 no. I mean, shoot. We of course, love, Renner we, left us hanging a week we, before we, the we draft. We love Mike. What else would you I do? mean, Mike's like part of the family. Still yeah. is, you know. He just got some other opportunity that nobody knows what the hell it is. But I, uh, we're, we're wishing well. I, I'll be cheering for him. You We've know? always we love been Mike. honest with Mike. I told him I had the over-under on him being fired you know, over one and a half times. But he's only fired once. Just once. In his mm, career. Yeah. He didn't get fired this time. That, he did not. No, he, did not. he did not. Left in his own volition here. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll pick up the slack, and we'll be there Thursday through Saturday, and uh, even into Sunday, recapping the draft. So um, where do we want to start here? You want to get touch on some NFL news, Aaron Rodgers officially to the Jets, then we'll get into the – into the mock yeah you know i i thought that that was sort of it was the other news that overwhelmed this draft for me you know aaron now we finally get a little settlement on that lamar is still a possibility of coming into play in this draft i think i mean how much longer do you sit there and and wait on that to happen if you're the ravens and because you've got to make some choices about what you're going to do if he's not going to be there. Trey Lance, to me, is still part of the discussion here. 
uh, Ryan Tannehill, Devin White. I mean, there are NFL-proven players out there uh, that could be a part of this whole discussion. But from uh, my standpoint, and Sam, I think I've heard you say this a couple of times, this is among the weakest. And I, I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself here, but I think it's among the weakest of the top ten of this draft that I can remember. I mean, who who is the person that you're absolutely going to hang your hat on and go, this is a can't-miss prospect yeah. in those top ten players? And for me, I don't really have one. I don't have one out of the top ten. Now, I start liking this draft as it gets into the offensive tackle position I really like, uh, the edge rushers I really like. And I like some of the safeties in this class, too. I, the, the corners, we know about the top-end guys with that. But I, I really think this is a bit of a down year as far as the skill position players. Um, it's it, And somebody's going to emerge. We know that, that one of these five quarterbacks are going to come out and, and end up being a good player. But I go into this thing going, okay, which one of those guys are going to knock – Patrick Mahomes off the top spot, that's a reach to, yeah. to yeah. think about I mean, any of those guys in that term. You could argue that there isn't a single blue chip prospect in this draft. Like, if you, if you, everybody has got something wrong with them from a prospect point of view. Like, B. John Robinson, the thing wrong with him isn't his fault. It's that he's a running back. And, you know, there's only, you could argue whether you can even have a blue chip running back. But, you know, Will Anderson is being talked about as one of those blue chip players. We've talked before that he's not quite at that elite, elite level I'm, where the Moses and Chase Youngs are. Jalen Carter has obviously gone through his, you know, legal uh, problems. That That's sort of his wart as a prospect. Each one of the quarterbacks has got something wrong with them. Devin Witherspoon, our number one corner, is undersized relative to what you would like to see. Christian Gonzalez, the other number one corner, depending on who you listen to, hasn't had the tape yet he's got the athleticism but like you can definitely make a case that there isn't a single clean you know perfect blue chip prospect in this entire draft and then my favorite part of all this is every year you have completely different takes from us you know sam and i we we have our own <laughs> takes and we've, we've been saying them forever and i can i pretty much know how sam feels about every prospect every now and again you come in and you're like oh i don't like this guy i like this guy or whatever it might be and it's different so i'm and I don't know. We haven't talked about the players too much. So no. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. It, it, and, and the worst thing is that from yesterday when I actually finished this thing and you go back through it. Do you guys do this? Like I go back through it for the first time and you start going, this is terrible. <laughs> I mean, this is just not right. Well, you know? what's a good mock draft for you? You were trying to predict it perfectly. Like, what are you trying? You're trying to get into the heads of what everybody's going to do. What does a mock draft look like for you? I, I think that's where I – I do both, yeah. and I do both in the same draft, which yeah. is stupid. You can't, you can't do both in the same draft, but you do yeah. get influenced by what you know is going to happen. If you know Bryce Young is going to go number one, you're not going to yeah. contradict that. You're going to, yeah. like, right off the bat, I'm going to say C.J. Stroud's going to be the friend. It's like, then they know it's you're actually, an idiot, right? It, yeah, it's very hard to do a perfect what-you-would-do mock because you inevitably put things in that you know teams will do rather than what you would do. Like, you just, you're drawn to it. It's too obvious. It's too easy. Like, oh, this is a perfect fit for this team. And, they, like, you make that connection. It's actually really hard to sort of stay true to that concept of, this is only what I would do. I'm going to ignore, like, reality effectively. 
Yeah. Now, the the other one that that killed me that I know is wrong is I don't put the two cornerbacks in until like the middle, like the teen area. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I see how stupid it is. I no, mean, it's not, nothing stupid. No, but it, it, if you what, put Cole Strange in your mock draft, that would be stupid. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, but that happened. <laughs> it does help. I've got a couple of Cole Stranges in here. Nice. Too. I love it. That's what yeah. we're here for. There's yeah. going to be, be some. Great. Like, yeah. they, I, there's going to be a bunch of those guys this year because it's such a weird draft. Like, you're going to see. I think in the first round when we do that show on Thursday, there's going to be three or four names on that first round where you're like, what is happening? How did, like, why did anybody draft this guy in the first? I, I, I totally agree with you. And I've got a couple of guys on that list too. I, for me, the, the only player in here that just wowed me was Jalen Carter. I, I mean, yeah. but then I start, you start looking at the number of snaps that that guy has and he's not even playing like half the game. So Nobody does, am no. I going to take, so then I started playing the game. So now would I rather have a defensive tackle that is going to play 40 snaps a game if you get him up to better conditioning to be able to do that kind of thing, or a cornerback who's going to play 75 or 80? Yeah. And then how do you do the math on that, trying to go back and forth? And the quarterback class is enough to make you totally insane. <laughs> I mean, you can go totally crazy trying to break down – this quarterback class and and Will Levis at two is that really what we're talking about now? It is now. So Will Levis and you're the, our, our quarterback expert around here, but Will Levis I watched so I kind of go through different ways of watching the guys. So thank God with PFF we can go to their worst plays, we can go to their best plays, and a lot of times I do that. And I went through all those plays and I go I can't understand why anybody's talking about Will Levis as one of the top guys. I just don't get it. And so then I put on his positive .5 plays. Run of the mill, throw it to the flat, pick up a first down, hit a pivot, do whatever the case may be. And I got it. It's the first time I ever understood what it was because I watched him in those plays where he was moving around and his feet were shuffling and he was trying to play like Patrick Mahomes and he looked terrible to me. And then I saw the plus .5 plays, the sort of simple plays, where he catch it, keep his feet planted, and just go pew, 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 and read the defense quickly. Get I go, he looks like an NFL quarterback. And so overnight, based on not his great plays or not his horrible plays, it was the mundane quarterback plays that said, okay, I understand if somebody wants to take him Hi, but man, there sure is a lot of other tape out there on him that makes you go number two. Yeah, really? Is that where we are? And then Richardson takes the ball and and has the longest thing. He t he takes it upside down. He's like a baseball pitcher. Did you put the tracer on him to get the tracer. No, but can we you will. use the tracer in the offseason? No, no. Give it to you? I should do that. I'm, should, I've got yeah. a call from my producer today. I'll call. I'll ask him about that. <laughs> But it's got to be – I'm thinking he's going to be – his release time is going to be around four-tenths of a second, which is unplayable. It's unplayable. You In the NFL, that gives DBs way too much time to get there. Um, and so I, I think that if you go Anthony Richardson, you're going in and you're going, All right, we're, we're eating the first year. Because I'm not letting him throw the ball in the NFL until I find somebody that can – teach him to get the ball up and out and, and release this thing. He's going to get killed. He's going to kill us. I'm not doing that. I'm taking a whole year 
and just trying to teach them how to throw the ball. But are you going to take that with the fourth overall pick and go, all right, we're just going to sit this guy out and, and just wait on him? You know, so then you come all the way back and, and you're at Bryce Young and everybody loves him as a guy. Every single person I talked to said that, man, you just feel so comfortable and so at ease and you're actually starting to teach at the NFL level with him right off the bat because he's ready to go. But to me, that's also maybe his biggest flaw is that is he really going to get any better in the NFL. I mean, what they're doing at Alabama is pretty darn good, right? Yeah. And what they're teaching there is pretty darn good. And the same thing with Will Anderson. Is Will Anderson, does he have any level left for improvement or is this as good as we're going to get here? And I think there's an argument in both those cases that that could be true. That's it. Now, where are these guys going to go? We got to get into where these guys are going to land. Uh, I'm... I, we got your opinions on some of the players and we're going to see where they land. Right after reminding you, of course, that the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. There you While go. you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. So welcome to Western Southern Studio here, Chris. Of course. I love it. Is, Those uh, are our guys now. Let's, let's not make any mistake about it. Western and Southern right here in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. They uh, they pay a lot of fine people's salaries around here. So it's uh, anytime you get a chance to go visit westernsouthern.com, do it. That'd go check great. it out. Forward slash BFF. That's it. <laughs> are we ready to get into the mock draft? Are we going to follow along on the mock draft simulator as yep, well? I think Mike's in there in the booth. He's got, uh, he's got the document. In hand, so you Beautiful. should be able to follow along. Is that thing a savior or what? Yeah. Out of all the inventions here at PFF, the mock draft simulator with the mock draft data right there to help you make the next pick and to let you know what the needs are for the players. If you have not done this thing yet, just go on to the PFF mock draft simulator. Now, a lot of people have copied it since then, but it doesn't have our data yeah. behind it to give you advice on what's going on. So that, the, that uh, is a tool. The final, the, my, Mike's final act at PFF was to combine with other people for the final PFF big board, which is, you know, smoothed out some of the, uh, some of the outliers. So Tanner McKee is no longer the <laughs> yes, second best yes, player in the PFF. People are uh, complaining that Tyree Wilson dropped so much, and I will take full blame for that. That's that was you, fault. yep. I mean, mm-hmm. you put him lower, too. <clears throat> I put him lower, not anywhere near as low as you put him, but yes. Well, we'll get there when we, uh, when we talk about oh, that. You guys are going to really hate my mock draft. Did though. you? No, he's fine. I, I get it. I the, get the it. Wilson Did you see one, Chargers I, GM Tom Telesco said he uses you know, mock draft sims and all that stuff just to you know, make sure they don't miss anything, yeah. which is great. I've uh, I've already taken a kind of you know a, a quick run through Chris's mock. I've identified the pick that I hate the most. Oh, already. there there are going to be plenty. Even, I don't want to. Even my hometown Bengals are going to absolutely <laughs> hate. Well, that's, that's I'm not going to click on a pick until we get there. So let's start right. number one overall. It's the Carolina Panthers. Who are you going with at number one, Chris? Yeah, I, I I'm too chicken to go against the, what what you know is going to happen here, right? So you got to go with Bryce Young, and it's probably the right thing to do. He he's ready to play. He's the one guy that, in my mind, you can put him out there on opening day, and he's not going to embarrass himself. He's not going to embarrass you. Um, the the one that I really worry about with him more than anything, I don't. I, he gets the game. I mean, God, you can see the way that he he 
reads defenses. He just gets it. He knows what he's doing out there. His superpower, obviously, is quick feet, quick mind, escapability, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but he has relatively small hands. We haven't seen him play a game in January. We haven't seen him play a game in December in horrible weather. And a lot of times those are different kind of football games, and that's when championships are won, and that's if you're taking him first overall. You know, that's definitely what it is that uh, that you're looking for. Um, but, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that he ends up being, for Frank, what, what they think he's going to be. All those tests, uh, they all just absolutely love him. But I, I just he, – he doesn't throw the ball very far. <laughs> He just, you know, you if, have concerns about his arm. I, I do, and so do some of the people in this league. Yeah. That, so here's here's the biggest concern. So, I, I, I've just one coach told me that they asked him how far he could throw it, and he said 55 yards, like the lowest number they've ever heard. Either this kid is brutally honest, <laughs> what? or every every, every one really? of the other ones says like oh, 70, 75, yeah. 80. Yeah, I yeah, throw it yeah. 140 yards, you know, whatever Josh it is. Josh Allen, two football Will fields. Levis threw 50 from his knees. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you get all that stuff. And But the one thing that it really does come into play, and I'll, I'll use Russell Wilson as an example. You know, Russell Wilson calls it the moon ball, you know, yeah. where he throws it a mile up in the air. And as Chad a receiver, as well. yeah, you, it drops in over – it drops in like this yeah. instead of like this so the DB yeah. can't knock it away. When you watch Bryce throw it long, that doesn't happen. It's much more of a shot. I, I think where he's really good is in that 20 to 40-yard range. Uh, that's is his sort of deep game where he's you know getting it out and reading it well um, he has all the intangibles love him everybody I talk to absolutely loves him thinks he's so smart um, so you know that's my concern can he get it down the field enough like an NFL player how concerned are you with his size right because you know you're a former NFL player you're what's like six five you're you're NFL yeah. sized right you six five Boomer Esiason is huge all these NFL players are huge and Bryce Young is essentially my size and I'm not NFL size like and he's potentially the number one overall pick yeah I, I always thought the weakness of Russell Wilson's game was over the middle and it had to be at least in part because he couldn't see him and not like deep down the middle I mean like those five ten yard throws where there would clearly be times on tape that you saw it was wide open and so I don't know and the other thing is NFL players are a lot better at taking a step into their pass rush and knowing if they're stymied or not and if they are they get their hands up yeah I, I don't ever see that in college I never see anybody do that where they just know, okay, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm going to get my hands up. And in the NFL, they do it anyway. They're going to really do it to him. And if it bugged Tom Brady, we went to the Super Bowl. We were in Indy getting ready for that one against the Giants, and it was a year that Brady got a bunch of passes knocked down in, in, um, in the playoffs prior to that. So they had like these huge paddles that they stuck up in the middle of the pass rush that he had to throw around. It made him insane. It, it, it literally made him crazy because they kept batting his balls and doing all that. I think that's what it's going to be like for Bryce here early on. My, my theory on the batted passes, though, is it's far more scheme-related and where you want to throw the ball than height-related. And I think it's the height 
the height and vision issue that I think he's got the challenge because everybody's like, oh, he stands tall in the pocket. He's got a high release. But batted passes come when you're trying to throw the ball right over the ball, right? Like when you're trying to throw the ball right over the center. So I feel like you you could scheme around that a little bit, but you also don't want to take away any part of the field just because of height. But are you, so you, it sounds like you're getting the same vibes we are. If he's 6'2", we're not even questioning this at all, right? He's, he's, we're talking about him as one of the – Top quarterbacks, uh, Trevor Lawrence kind of guy that that's come out in a while. I mean, so that's, but it goes back to what I was saying. The top ten guys, like who are you going? This is surefire Pro Bowler, Hall of Famer. None here of we them, go, right? None of them. <laughs> that's the problem. It is. All right, so you're going with uh, the expectation here. Pick one. Carolina Panthers taking Bryce Young, puts the Houston Texans on the clock at pick two. There's a lot of smoke now around pick two. Mm. Kentucky quarterback Will Levis is now the betting favorite for whatever that's worth. <laughs> betting favorite to go number two overall. We seem to think that, hey, that might be the case, but that might be because there's also smoke around the Texans trading out. Right. Critically, it doesn't mean it's going to Houston. Um, I like your note that you put here. So where are you going here at number two for the Houston Texans? Uh, where I want to go is Lamar Jackson. That's, that's what I really want to happen. I, I, have, I have an idea wow. on how they do this. Tell me. So you so you have to give up two first round picks, right? Back to back to to match. So you only have to do it if you sign him if you go the offer sheet route. You don't have to give up two if you independently so trade for him, I believe. I could I would go if you could go the offer sheet route by doing this. The Texans at pick number two pick Will Anderson, and then their next pick is twelve. Then you immediately send the offer sheet with pick twelve instead of two. So you pick Will Anderson, you do the offer sheet at 12, and then next year's first round. But then, but the Ravens have a week to match that offer sheet. Yeah. That's well, they, pretty sure the draft clock expired. I'll before. give you – that's fine. Well, the Ravens should – The Vikings Ravens should, get should get away take with it. it. <laughs> Ravens should take it. So would you trade for Lamar Jackson right off the bat? What would I, you do if you're Houston? I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just saying that if I were Houston, I would not be – in on this quarterback class you, is my I, I kind of buy into what they're saying that I want to let's build the rest of our team and then we'll go get our quarterback later the only problem is I don't know that the rest of the guys that you're choosing from yeah. are worth that kind of consideration in this in this top 10 situation so if I could parlay my pick I put CJ Stroud just because I, I, you know, I, I try to do it just as is and who yeah. I think will be taken. I don't believe the Will Levis stuff going to two. I, I, I personally, what I think happened, Houston desperately wants to get out of there. They started hearing all this Will Levis stuff from the Colts and from other people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we really like Will Levis. We we love him. We we might draft him, hoping that somebody." will think they have to go from four to two to get him. Yeah. The problem with that is I don't think the Colts are serious about Will Levis at four. Right. So it's it's like – but it's just a big, circular, stupid game that's going <laughs> on right now that's like coming it. out. And everybody knows that it's a con. Everybody – nobody's paying attention. And from my standpoint, the clear year. number two was C.J. Stroud if I were taking a quarterback. Do you think that the Lamar thing actually has a chance of happening? Because that feels to me like – Every step of the process, Baltimore has been winning the negotiation. Like, you know, they're, they're miles apart. Lamar wants a fully guaranteed deal. The Ravens are like, not a chance. Uh, and they're winning like, all the way along to the point where, you know, fine. Have your uh, lower non-exclusive franchise tag. Go find the offer you want somewhere else. And then, you know, we'll talk and nothing's happened. So it kind of feels like 
they've just been winning the whole way. And, like, DeMar doesn't have an out unless they can manufacture some kind of trade somewhere, which hasn't happened yet. Well, he always has an out. He can show up and not play. Sure. Right? That That's the killer. That's the one. And then you get into a little bit of the Aaron Rodgers situation last year where by having issues – he wasn't in there practicing with the young guys. Right. And so I think of Lamar is not there, and then he's missing training camp. And remember, you've got no Greg Roman change now either. Offense, you've yeah. got a change of offense. Greg Roman, you can say what you want, but he did it in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick. Yep. He did it with Lamar in Baltimore, and then now they let him go. So now I'm kind of waiting to see, all right, well, what are they going to do with Lamar Jackson? And are they going to make these kinds of changes? Um, But my guess is, and Lamar is such a nice guy. I mean, he really is. He's a sweetheart of a guy. And you go, at the end of the day, is he going to sit in that locker room and not go out and help his teammates win? I just don't see it. I think he'll end up coming back and playing I mean, there on the tag, you know. There are people that argue he did that at the end of last year, right? That he could have come back and didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, he's, he's, he's a pretty tough guy, so I, I don't know. But anyway, so that, that's what I've got. I've got C.J. Stroud going second, and only because I just can't find a defensive player that makes me go, oh, I'm not going to take a chance on what could be right. a star quarterback. That That's where I keep coming back. I don't love the quarterback class, but if you don't love anybody behind them because of the positional value, right, of the quarterback, wouldn't you take them even if they end up not working? Because the, the 25% chance that they yeah. become a star, you almost have to take it when you're drafting this you, high. You've been talking to us for years, and that's kind of like the language that we speak here which is there's a 25% chance that he's going to be a really good quarterback, right? Do you think that's in NFL draft rooms yet? Maybe some teams. Do you think it's across the board? Because, again, I'm joking around my my horizontal board here. Like This is what they work off of a lot of times, right? It's like I want the guys at the top level. Those are my blues. Those are my elites. And there's probably not a quarterback with the elites. And do do teams still just rank all the players – put them into tiers and say, I don't want to go down a tier. Because there's a, there's a good chance C.J. Stroud is definitely a tier below Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, whichever other blue chips you might put there. Are, is that what the Texans are battling with right now? They have a blue chip defensive player. You might not love them, but they're still above C.J. Stroud on their board, theoretically. Sure. Yeah. Are, are they still debating that? And is that why we're hearing about them trading out, even though Davis Mills is currently their starting quarterback? Well, the other part of it you have to remember is the surest way to get fired – is to draft the wrong quarterback. Like, if you go in there and and this is – and you go, okay, well, it doesn't matter. He's a first-year coach. We're fine. But all of a sudden, you draft a guy, and it takes you two years to figure out if he really is the guy. Now you're going into your third year of the draft. Houston Texans have been getting rid of people really quickly around there. And if you're in your third year, and now you got to draft another one, and now it's going to be your – four or five before you know about him you know it's just a and if you don't really believe then why are you going to go through the cycle yeah that's that's the hardest part i think is like so the logic would be if you're houston okay you don't love any of these quarterbacks but everybody is bad at this so the 25 percent chance that you're wrong is worth taking one anyway right if you you don't love levis you don't love stroud you don't love richardson 
but there's a 25% chance, say, arbitrary number, that one of those guys is going to end up as a superstar, and we all goofed on the evaluation. You should take him because, if, you know, one in four, is you don't have anybody right now, and if you hit on that, it's worth doing. But the sort of process from an internal point of view, like, literally dictates that ignore what you think. Like, assume you're wrong here because the chance, like, if you are, the chance is actually a good thing. That, I think, is a really difficult sell for an NFL team to be like, okay, the smart move here is to assume that you're wrong. Oh, my gosh. I mean, nobody does that. Of course, I mean, there's 32 GMs in the world, and they all got their job because they went to a billionaire and said, I got all the answers, <laughs> right? So, of course, they're not going to go to their billionaire owner and be like, look, I don't have all the answers, but we're going to run the city. We're going to draft multiple. Like, the Texans can draft a QB at 2-12 and 12 if somebody falls because we're going to – that's not going to happen, right? But you so, know what? You know, I t- when I was talking to some coaches and they were asking me about the quarterback thing, I said, you know what I would do? I would, I would like to be where the Raiders are right now. I I I don't care which one of them comes to me. I think Just all of, I think yeah. all four of them have a twenty five percent chance of becoming something. And, and and whether they do or not, I I don't know. But that's about. But I would rather take the third or the fourth one or the fifth one. I, I'm I'm not completely out on Hooker either. Um, and so I would rather have one of those other guys. I would not have done what Carolina did unless they just absolutely love Bryce. And and there's a lot to love there, but there's a lot to be concerned about too. I would have waited for one of those other guys to fall to me and then just reduce the risk a little bit. All right, we're half we're half uh, half hour into the show or two picks I know, in. It's, you it's have, I know how it happens to you guys now. Right, man. right. Yeah, you have I adapted to people think it's our NFL fault. podcast. <laughs> it's just you get sucked into the conversation. Number three, the Arizona Cardinals are up on the clock, and you've got we've we've already gotten to like what if scenarios here, Chris. <laughs> what what's happening here at number three for Arizona? I mean, I'm sitting there going, all right, if I'm not taking a quarterback, which they're not, and I can't trade it, which they obviously will. <laughs> That's what's so stupid about doing this. I think two and three are going to be traded. I, I just do. Famously, by the way, the 2016 NFL draft, that was where uh, Chris Stradamus, is that what uh, we were calling it at the time? Something like that. You you predicted the Rams trading up from oh, like I know. 14. That was my big moment. That's the only thing that – nothing else I've done <laughs> that has was your, warranted any reason why I should be sitting here with you <laughs> that guys. That was your first ever PFF mock draft. You're like, yeah, the Rams are going to shoot up from 14 to 1 to go I get know. a quarterback. It's going to be golf, and you nailed it. Everybody thought one. that I had some information. <laughs> I, that's how stupid I was. I was like, no, I didn't have anything. All, anyway, you, need sorry. One, all you need is one to be able to keep referring back that's to you right. all the time. Arizona at three. I, I'm going to – the best player in the draft is Jalen Carter. So I just, I just did that. I, you know, I think that eventually you need a superstar somewhere. And I am a bigger believer than most that the three technique is at least as important as the edge, if not more so. Because I think if you have a great three technique, you have the ability to push that pocket. And if that quarterback can't step up, you can get moderate talent on the edge to get around and have a chance to get to the quarterback. Um, the guys that don't have that internal push and those guys can step up, you can be the greatest edge rusher in the world. And now I know that my quarterback's going to be able to step up every single time. I'm taking a hard inside set as a tackle. I'm forcing around the outside, and I'm just rushing to cut him off because I know my quarterback's going to be up and out of there. When you have Aaron Donald inside, 
that is not a factor. I mean, that's the reason we've seen guys put up career numbers on the edge when they're playing with, with Aaron. You can convince me. I mean, we, there hasn't been a good defensive tackle class in about five years, mm. or four years, at least since the 2019 class. I think Jalen Carter, I see some of your notes here, Chris Jones comparisons and all that stuff. I think all of those comparisons are fair. If you just run the hard numbers on his production and everything, it's right up there with Chris Jones and Quinnen Williams from a grading standpoint, from a projection standpoint, every single defensive tackle, Jeffrey Simmons, all the guys who have become elite defensive tackles, Jalen Carter ticks every box. I think him will get to Will Anderson when he, when he comes up. I think those two guys are the safest projections on the field. But, of course, the Carter question is everything else that happened. Is he a bad guy? That's what I don't know. They, you know, when you no don't idea. get to do the interviews, that's the right. it's impossible. I, I can't, I'm not I even going to try to guess. I, I don't know. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's, was, what teams are, that's what teams are trying to find out now, right? I'll like, say this. I mean, I, I can't give away. I mean, we, we were in NFL. When we were at the Combine, I was in a meeting with an NFL team. Let's just say a team that could pick Jalen Carter when the news broke about everything that was happening in Georgia. And I remember looking across the table being like, hey, did you see this Jalen Carter news? And it was not like, no, we hadn't seen that yet. So I, I don't know how much of an impact that's had since the Combine. Um, and then a bad workout and, you know, but is that the bad workout because he's got everything else going on and all that stuff. All I know is when he's on the field, he yes. wrecks games and he didn't do it for many snaps, but he is outstanding yeah. and at I being good at football. And I don't think the many snaps thing is his fault either. Like that's that rotation at Georgia is insane. Like they have so much talent. Nobody plays more than 350 snaps on the defensive line in a season. But we used it again. Like we used it against Jordan Davis yes. because we assumed it's because he's 340 and maybe right. it's an endurance thing. But or should we use it against Jalen Carter? Well, and also there was evidence, like with Jordan Davis, within his 350 snaps, you could see plays where he looked tired. It's like, you know. Well, he's and the workout. Three, yeah. He's playing 350 and, you know, he's still kind of flagging towards the end of some of these runs. Whereas Jalen Carter is kind of wrecking shop every time he's on the field. Like there was a play uh, against Ohio State where he had, he, he had a bit of a running start because like they were late getting to the play, the entire Georgia defense. But he swatted Dewan Jones to the side, like all 380 pounds of Dewan Jones, just like boom, Reggie White, like club, yeah. and Dewan Jones moved like that. That's not easy to do for a guy like that's insane strength, even for a guy that's you know six three, 315 pounds. You know, and he had he had some triple wiggle moves, and I triple wiggle is like doom doom doom, and then you go right. You know, who as a receiver, I didn't have that coming <laughs> off the ball. I'm like, oh, what the heck is this thing? There, there were plays like you said, Fletcher Cox like power, yeah, Chris Jones like bend for a for a 300 pounder. I mean, and oh. the ability to reset off of that, like he can contort down and get hit, and then get back up and rush without, you know, losing speed or losing. It's just he's the superstar physically of this draft. And and in my mind, it's not even close. I think, I mean, the two best players on the field in this draft, I think, are Jalen Carter and B. John Robinson. And, you know, B. John obviously has the running back thing. But if you're happy with Carter's off-field stuff, like if you decide he's a good kid and this was just immaturity or whatever it was, you're right. He, like he's the best player in the draft. So just, not many people have this, right? When people are mock drafting, no, right now, I know. Not many people have Jalen Carter at three. I, I I buy every explanation you gave. I mean, listen, if if the off field checks out for Arizona, I think there's a strong case you take Jalen Carter over Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, uh, over all of them. If yeah. it all checks out, if you're comfortable, I, I think all those other guys are going to be good players. Yeah he has a chance to be great. And that's the exact same reason that I made my next pick too. 
So the next pick, look at that. You are you're professional, Chris. Very professional. Yeah. Indianapolis Colts at number four. Where are you going, Chris? I'm going Richardson. And the funny – so I went to Florida, right? So I watched a bunch of these games. And most of my friends in that cheer for the Gators were talking about – there were times in the year they thought he, they he was going to get benched. You know, I mean, that's that's where we are in this in this whole thing. Um, but there are times that you see flashes of stuff we haven't seen before. Right. I mean, he can throw it a mile. He can run past defensive backs and cornerbacks in the SEC. He can run over linebackers. Uh, he he likes to play from the pocket. You know, he really does. He likes to stand in there. He's not the slightest bit scared or anything else in there. He was playing against SEC defenses, you know, not other lesser conferences. Uh, and he literally has done things that we have not seen. But he also throws balls that no receiver has a chance to catch either. So Even you at 6'5". Yeah. But there really is um, – you know, like a Justin Fields he or Lamar Jackson. He could run for a touchdown every single year. And, and the thing I'm always intrigued with Lamar is the number of man coverages that he sees. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to put an eighth guy down in that box or you're not going to be able to, to, to win. So now any receiver in the NFL should be able to win one-on-ones on the outside. As long as he is, is not – having to do a lot of quick reads and quick release kind of stuff. That's not his game. He can throw it down the field. He's a laser arm, good spiral on the ball, huge hand. He's going to be able to control it in January. He's going to be able to control it in December. Um, But I honestly think it's a two-year commitment to get him on the field. You just go, "I'm, I'm signing you. And I would tell him. I would go, Anthony, look, here's the deal. I'm with the Colts, and I, I, I want to draft you, but you don't know how to throw the ball. And, and we're going to take you to a quarterback guru, and we're going to teach you how to throw the ball, and we're not going to let you do it <laughs> on the football field in the NFL until you've got this down. Uh, there are guys that can teach you. Patrick Mahomes went he, through he a big transition. There are reports, right? That Josh already... Allen went through a big transition. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it can be done. He's got one of those private QB coaches, a guy called Will Hewlett. Uh, who's you know highly regarded as one of these QB gurus? So he's he's been working with one of those guys already for a while. Do you think that there's a pathway though for? I, I agree with you. Like he's got a way to go to be ready, but because he came from an offense that you know wasn't like the Tennessee offense, like he was running NFL concepts, he had to read full field progressions. There was a lot of real quarterback things he was doing at Florida, um, and and wants to play within the pocket. Do you think that there is a pathway, though, for an NFL team to basically run like the Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts playbook of development where it's not going to be great year one, right? But we're going to tap into the running ability. We're going to let him learn with those live reps of real NFL games. And we're not going to see what this really looks like until year two, year three, when he's had that development time and he's worked with the uh, with the QB coach, but like we can play him until that happens. Yeah, I, you know, I go back to Josh Allen. Uh, we were saying a lot of the same things about him. Cam right. Newton, we were saying the same things about him. Uh, both those, Cam went to a Super Bowl, Josh within a 
a whisper of it, Justin Fields, you know, the Bears had the first pick. They had a chance to take any of these guys they wanted, and but they're they're buying in. And, and I don't know that there's not a paradigm shift going on in the NFL right now. That's That's what intrigues me about Richardson more than anything is this whole read option stuff and RPO. Like, not only – if you don't put eight guys up against a quarterback like this, not only are you a man short because you're not blocking one guy uh, on the edge, so you've got an additional blocker for the run game. Uh, you're a linebacker short because your linebacker can't move on the backside of this thing. Yep. And then you add in – the ability to go 80 yards with your quarterback running the football. Um, Jalen Hurts, to me, is one of the, the most incredible stories I've ever been a part of. Um, when I watched him play at Alabama and when he got benched in the championship game, I thought it was deserved. He couldn't throw the ball enough yep. to, to win it. Goes to Oklahoma. I thought they improved him a little bit. He came to Philadelphia, got his chance was okay, got him to the playoffs, got blown out by Brady. And what he did last year, and it wasn't just the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was unbelievable. He was one play away. If he doesn't have that sack fumble return for a touchdown, they're going to go up 14 points going into halftime at least. That All the momentum was on that side, and I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I, I really do. Take out one play, and it's one of the best Super Bowl performances we've ever seen. Yep. We've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and if Jalen Hurts can do that, Anthony Richardson's a better athlete than he is. Has more throwing, pure throwing skills, arm strength than he does. And so, again, I'm chasing greatness in the same way I'm chasing greatness with Carter. I'm chasing greatness here. Uh, and I think for the Colts, anyway, I would at least watch the games. So, <laughs> I want to see what happens, you know. So, listen, they – the description you had for Anthony Richardson, my take on this entire time was that everybody's going to describe him the same way you did. Like, I think we're all in agreement for, with what we saw from Anthony Richardson. Where people are going to disagree is where do you value that? So talk to a lot of people. You talk, you talk to a lot of coaches through the years. As soon as you say you have to redo his throwing motion, you have to teach him how to throw, you get a, he can't win from the pocket consistently, coaches are out on that. Yep. And there's only a few coaches who say, okay, I will build my offense around them. Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Shane Steichen, maybe, in Philadelphia that, with Jalen Hurts. So is that the connection? Is he the one that's going to be willing to say, we'll build the offense around Anthony Richardson's legs first while we develop everything else? It worked, right? Of course I mean, He did. saw it work. He yeah. saw that they should have won the Super Bowl, right. you know, with that style. And so I, I, I do think that – I think the day is coming where it took us a long time culturally at the quarterback position to some extent – to get to where we are today and and it is I, I just think there's a better way to play football right now that's being presented and it's with a mobile quarterback uh it's not standing in the pocket anymore because of this rpo game and and i really i i he, he's either in the first two years he's either gonna be where jalen hurts is and maybe better or I'm not going to worry about them anymore because it's, it just didn't happen. Right. I think recent precedent is really important for things like that. So the fact that we've just seen not just Josh Allen, the, the Allen one was, was slightly different, but Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, um, 
function in offenses that if they had to rely just on their passing ability wouldn't have worked right so like justin fields last year averaged less than 150 yards a game passing like dead ass last in the league but the bears offense from like epa per play point of view was only just below average because of what he can do on the ground and that's with no help around him with a bad offensive line with no receivers to speak of and you know they they weren't exactly rushing to tap into that as a a way of playing to begin with like if that's your game plan to start with for Richardson who is bigger stronger you know potentially offers more from a, a variety of ways to win on the ground than Justin Fields does I think you can like plot a way that you can play him for those first two years even if you're like the pass game's gonna be bad like he's it's not gonna be good we're gonna see 50% completion rate we're gonna see a lot of bad mistakes but he's gonna be a dominant on the ground that's gonna be the basis of our run game and then in like 18 months into this we're gonna have an idea of where he's going and if this is actually gonna work long term all right we're gonna save some of our takes for, for <coughs> draft night for round one so we're four picks in Anthony Richardson goes to the Indianapolis Colts puts the Seattle Seahawks on the board, Chris, where are you going for the Seahawks? Yeah, I think it's time for Will Anderson. I, I, you're, you know what you're going to get with him, right? I mean, he's a first-class player. He's a hustler. He plays the run well. He, he's he's he, They say he's the hardest worker they ever had it out. He's everything you want, uh, which to me, there's – all right, let me tell you my one concern with this is he's fully developed. He is who he is. He also played around a lot of great players at Alabama. They like to do a lot of stunts and tricks, and they'll put him on the move, and they'll be able to do things. And when you've got a bunch of All-Americans rushing against people who are lesser players, typically, when Alabama's playing somebody, then you're going to create all those one-on-one matchups and give a player like Will Anderson a chance to win almost every time. That's not always true in the NFL. Uh, and he's not that big a guy. You know, a lot of – one thing I've learned over the years is on tape, speed always wins, you know, and, and, and the size and the length doesn't matter because it just looks good, right? When you see a 5'8 wide receiver on the tape, you go, oh, I love this guy, man. He's, he's like lightning out there, you know? Yeah. And it's the same thing with edge rushers. The problem is when your arms – aren't as long as those tackles arms and you get stymied it's it's just a little bit you know Andrew Whitworth I think I mean, when he was 40 he looked like he was in slow motion out there and he just bam yeah. hit you with a jab and all of a sudden those speed guys you know he only had to hold them out for two and a half seconds so if you hit him one time he had him so I think he's definitely worth a top five pick but am I convinced that he's going to be a 12-sack-a-year guy, no, I, I'm, I'm really not. Do you, off the top of your head, do you feel like – do you feel better about Will Anderson compared to, say, Aiden Hutchinson last year at this time? Do you, are they similar? I would say about the same. Yeah. I, I would say a notch below some of the top-end yeah. edge players. But We haven't seen Bose's or Miles Garrett or Chase Young since Chase Young. We haven't seen the, that level of prospect for yeah. a couple of years now. That's about right. Yeah. I, like, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be – franchise changing or uh, no I, I i just don't 
But you, right. had, you went with Will Anderson above Tyree Wilson, which yeah. is the big buzz right now that Wilson is going to be the guy that goes ahead of Anderson. I chickened out. Well, don't <laughs> worry. I'll tell you flat out. I, I went with what I thought would happen over what I would have done. I would have so taken So you would go with, with Tyree Wilson. Yeah, I, 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 after I, I passed up Anderson on three, yeah. <laughs> I just chickened out. I'll just be straight up with you. I just chickened out. Well, the Lions are up at six, and this is where – you didn't chicken out. No. Where are you going at six for the Detroit Lions? I'm going Tyree Wilson. I, I, I he is, he's got a fatal flaw in, in my estimation and in, in the way that he, um, he plays the game. And um, he just has to get off the ball. He takes these little baby steps coming off the ball. Once, once he gets going, I'll take this guy with anybody. He's got length. Um, he's got the ability to wiggle um, inside. I saw him miss a bunch of tackles. He flashes this dip and rip that that I really love. He has the one-arm stab that with his long arms, it's going to be really fun. He's going to be able to do some things that Anderson can't do. That is his best move. That and, is. And, and the first thing they're going to do when they get him to training camp, I promise you, I mean – we, I, I spend so much time talking about get off. It's like, whatever. Like, okay, I get it. You want to get out of your stance. But then when you see somebody who doesn't do it, and to some extent, <laughs> it, it reminded me a little bit of when my daughter was getting uh, recruited. And one of the coaches asked me, he said, you're her coach? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, do you, are you guys in the weight room doing this and are you doing that and you're doing that? And I said, no, we're not doing any of that. They go, oh, good. She has bad coaching. We can upgrade her, <laughs> right? And, and, and so I, that's what I'm thinking with him. It's like he's not there yet. Where I think Will Anderson is fully developed, I don't think that Wilson is. Yeah. That, yeah. I think that's like that's – I think that's the prevailing narrative with Anderson is the main criticism that you're hearing now is he's as good as he's ever going to get. Now – question is well how good is that right now like if you put him on an nfl field day one if it looks the same we're still fine like we're already talking about a guy who's at the very minimum an above average nfl edge rusher and potentially you know a pro bowl caliber kind of guy so you know joey bosa got the same criticism oh he's maxed out he can't get any better than he is right now like, yeah but like he's already a pro bowler so what's the problem yeah we're like, good yeah like if that's what anderson is if he's already at that kind of caliber you're, you're probably still fine. But his arms are probably longer than Steve's. I, oh, I, Tyree, I, yeah. They, oh, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, I've insane. never seen anything like it. That's why I gave him a Charles Amenehu comp. Same body as Charles Amenehu. Yeah. Now, he's not a top 10 pick, Amenehu, but he's a good player. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, almost 36 inches, and, and he knows how to do it. You know, he just he just doesn't get off the ground. He just has to move. Like, let's go. I would just – Put him in the 100-meter dash training program. Yeah, you know, forget. let's go. Let's get out of the blocks. Let's go. I forget what the stat is, but he's got, like, the wingspan of, like, a seven-foot-four guy or something ridiculous, isn't he? Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, so the concerns with Tyree Wilson and the reason why uh, my influence helps drop him on the draft board, <laughs> uh, when that. you throw all the numbers into the mix, which includes a player's entire career, Tyree Wilson just broke out last year. Everything you saw in film in 2022 was real. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff to love on film, when you take in the totality of everything that he's done, last year he was 23, breakout season, a little bit late in his career, his production just doesn't match up with other first-round edge defenders. Uh, it's, it's very similar to Trayvon Walker last year at this time. 
And now Trayvon Walker never even got to Tyree Wilson's level from a production standpoint, winning as a pass rusher and everything that Wilson did last year. But there's also two years different in, difference in age. So that's where my concerns come in. Will Anderson, when you throw all the numbers into the mix, his numbers are up there with all the top edge defenders who have hit. Even though I, I don't get the same feels as the best ones, his numbers are there. Wilson's are in like a different stratosphere uh, of not good when you look at the entire career. So it's balancing that versus we saw him break out last year. We know there's the potential. How do you balance that? How do you weigh that? I get both sides of the argument, but I feel like Wilson is as risky as it gets in the first round. His, uh, his wingspan is longer than Giannis's, who's six foot 11. Oh, put him in the post. Uh, yeah. If that exists anymore in the NBA. Does anybody play in the post anymore? I don't think so. So Tyree Wilson. My other concern, Chris, and I don't know if this will come up, but like he hasn't worked out. And I think there's a foot issue or something. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't get to work out. And I think he's a really good athlete. I think his numbers would be great. But I do feel like teams, especially an edge defender, want to tick those boxes and see a cone and a shuttle and the 10 yard dash and all that stuff. I think they want to see those things. And, and when you tick those off, it's a lot easier to say, yeah, we're taking them. I mean, particularly you know, when top. that's a big part of your sales pitch, right? Like this guy is a special athlete. It's like, well, okay, what are his numbers? Eh, don't know. You know, you, and, and the foot, I, I agree. That that was probably the biggest reason I dropped him below Will Anderson. It's just the uncertainty of the whole thing. So the Lions are taking Tyree Wilson, which would be fascinating, by the way. You put him in there with Aiden Hutchinson and James Houston and everything that they've added over the last couple of years. And the secondary. I mean, they really yeah. upgraded their secondary, too. Yeah. The Lions are looking good heading into 23. Uh, puts the Raiders up on the clock with pick seven here, Chris. Yeah, okay, this is a weird story here. So nice. I was I – was, I had Hooker in here, right? I'm going, okay, he doesn't wow. have to play. You had Hendon Hooker going seven yes, to the I Raiders? Did. Yes, I did. All right, Ooh. let me finish my story. All right, sorry. So I, I, I had him in there, and I didn't, you know, I'm a little queasy about it. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm used to taking criticism, but I don't know that I want an atomic bomb dropped on me, right? So I'm going, okay, it's a little high, and all right, I'm just going to hang in there. And then I get up there and uh, Anthony Trash and, and Ben Lindsay and those guys, I go, all right, you guys look at this. It was late yesterday afternoon when I finished. And, of course, they're the only two still in the office. So, and I'm, I'm going, all right, you know, what he goes, well, do you have, what, what, you just don't like Miles Murphy or whatever? And I was like, oh, man, I kept referring to him as the, as the Clemson guy, but there were two Clemson guys on the D-line, right? So I just immediately went to my my weakest chicken out point, and I went right, you know. You so put you'll him see. at seven. <laughs> so I, I so I put him at seven. So that one may get adjusted here a little bit as we go down. That was that was a little bit of my chicken out. Uh, but again, I you know if if he didn't stand up and peak a la Chris Jones, you know Chris Jones does good things when he peaks. But if he didn't have so much of that, I would. Probably like him, but you know, for he's a pretty twitchy guy for his size. Um, but it, I, I think that'll be one that I, I drive around. When he took Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, though, and just drove him straight back in the backfield on one of the tapes that I was watching, uh, I was like, that was that was interesting. So he's got the wiggle, he's got the power, he can, you know, the dip and rip move is is just really pretty unusual to see somebody with that kind of power. And he, he's a good player, uh, but honestly, I I might go. You put him a little lower. I might go. Win. I might start my tackle run here instead, just because I think there's some really good tackles in this class. Have we seen the Raiders taking a tackle a whole lot? I don't look at too many mock drafts, but I, I can't. I feel like most of the tackles people want to put in the teens, but the Raiders do make sense. 
yeah. to get a, a tackle in there. So if you want to re like we already put Miles Murphy in the mock, but you would be considering Yeah, oh, there's some the changes here. coming out of this one for Yeah, sure. yeah. Well the yeah. official one that goes on the site. We could check this is yeah. this is just the podcast. So Yeah, I do think though the Murphy like in a in a regular year, maybe you would focus more on the flaws, but in this season, like with all we just talked about with Tyree Wilson, I think those two should be a lot closer than they generally are in mock drafts and in rankings and stuff. Like all the problems that uh, that Tyree Wilson has, are, you know, should should put him closer to Murphy, whose top end stuff is crazy. Like you watch his elite plays, and he looks like he looks as good as anybody in the NFL. The the twitchy. Uh, burst his power, his explosion. It's the lack of consistency and the fact that he didn't kick on after looking really good, like his first year at Clemson. But you know, in this year where we don't love any of these top guys necessarily, I, I think he could and maybe should go a lot higher than he's being talked about. I'm trying to think in the past, like when Mike McGlinchey came off the board, it, it was ten picks higher than people expected, and that happens with tackles, right? I mean, those are the they, people view them as the safest, easiest to project. So absolutely. Could see tackles coming up. Right? I, 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 that, that's the one position that every team I go to, they just want more. They just want more. You know, it's it, because if you don't have a swing tackle in today's game, you know that guy's got to play some. You know, at some point. And so the guys that really have like Skaronsky kind of guy that could be either or. You know, I could see him being a guard. I, I really sort of picture him as a guard more than I do a tackle, which is why he gets knocked down a little bit for me. But, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. But the, the tackle run is going to start here very soon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, that puts the Falcons up at pick eight. Where are you going for the Atlanta Falcons, Chris? I'm I'm taking the cheese on this one. I, I think with Desmond Ritter at quarterback, that you just they want to run it anyway, right? There's no question they want to run it in Atlanta. Uh, and B. John Robinson just gives a young quarterback a, a lot of options. Arthur Smith is don't do it, Chris. I know, I know, this is a I know. Fireable the, offense. I know the whole running back thing. I, I got it. He's the only guy but, that can do it safely. Yeah, you are yeah. the only person that can get away himself. with this. But, yeah. but this is the only team that it makes any sense at all anywhere close to this high, um, I, because and the reason I say that is this division's winnable right now. You know, I mean, it really is. And the more you put on Bijan, he just looks different. He's got a little Le'Veon Bell in him. Uh, he's got a little power when he needs it. He doesn't necessarily get knocked off the ball. He makes some brilliant catches down the field. I, I didn't see him drop anything. Um, so I, I don't think he's a great route runner or anything like that. But he is a guy that, that could make a difference. Like, and, and I'm not unique in this. I, Philly, obviously, is going to be part of that conversation if somebody takes them high. But I, I, I just keep thinking the Atlanta Falcons are a very simple-looking offense and probably will be more simple, almost like Tennessee. Like, they, let's start with the run game. Let's do something well. And if they have that, I, you know, so I took the cheese. 
There, I mean, Atlanta. Bijan Robinson at eight to yeah, the Atlanta which Falcons. Is, I mean, this is that what, is where the market has the right. That that it. is the most uh, the betting favorite for that pick is Bijan Robinson. But it's interesting because Atlanta is like one of those case study teams of why you don't necessarily need to do that, right? You got um, Cordero Patterson, who was you know a a sort of failed wide receiver before he became running back, and that was a guy that that took over that backfield. And then Tyler Algier, a fifth round pick um, from model, a year ago, model guy. Yeah, who ends up over a thousand yards and almost five yards per carry. It's like th- this is one of those backfields. It's like these are the players that you can get easily and not have to go spend and invest. In but running so here's here's my question. I, here, I'll do a counter argument to that. So the guys that they have have that and gain five yards. If you have Bijan on your team, are you getting some 60 yarders out of those same plays? You know, because yeah. they're not going to have a lot of big plays in this offense. And so if you can get them out of your running, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't believe that we should be running the football <laughs> as our primary focal point in any offense. So it's hard for me to go this way. But when you, you know, go inside the mind of Atlanta, Tennessee, you know, that's what if you gonna know do. you're going to run it. Yeah. Why not be great at it? And to look, I mean, Bijan's so good. He's Unbelievable good. on tape. Everything that he does makes it look easy, as you said, Sam. Catches the ball really well. Like, I get it as a player. And the places where I would talk myself into myself into Bijan Robinson is when I already know I'm going to run it. I've already dedicated myself to that. Arthur Smith did it in Tennessee with Derrick Henry. Could you easily talk yourself into, hey, he was the catalyst for our offense and – Right or wrong, that's probably what you, they're thinking You know what about. you know. You know yeah. what's worked for you, right? And I think that's what Atlanta's going to be. And look, there's something to the idea that all these coaches and, and a lot of the team or a lot of the people running these offenses that everybody else treats as case studies for not taking running backs continually chase the guy that could be special. Like Kyle Shanahan keeps going after running backs that are upgrades over the guys that are already cooking within that offense – Mike Shanahan went after Clinton Portis, even though he was able to plug anybody into that offense and get a thousand yards. Like there's a reason those guys chase special because they believe that the value add on top of what's already working fine is still the thing you want. All right. That puts the bears up on the clock. Pick nine bears have traded down from number one. They have pick nine. One of the most fascinating teams this entire offseason. Where are you going with the Bears? This is the only one that I barely even studied. I just put down Paris Johnson from Ohio State. I, to me, that just makes too much sense uh, in in this situation. I thought he stood out among the tackles. Uh, I know he's going to be a tackle. Some of the other guys, I, I have concerns that they're going to end up getting moved to guard. Um, and Matt Eberflus, you know, he knows what he has in Justin Fields. They're going to have to be able to run the ball. But if you're if you're trying to develop a quarterback, the number one thing, forget about getting receivers. Just don't get him hit. Like, let the guy have a minute to sit back there. So if it takes Tom Brady 2.2 seconds to figure it out, it's going to take a young quarterback 2.6 seconds to figure it out. So let's protect him. Let's give him a chance to build some confidence. Um, I, 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 just, I just thought he stood out, and, and um, he would have been my guy. So he could step in, probably play right tackle right away, keep Tevin Jenkins at left at guard. Um, Nate Davis comes in to play right guard for the Bears, move Cody Whitehair to center, mm-hmm. and uh, left tackle Braxton Jones, who was excellent last year. So I definitely see this as a realistic pick, realistic pick here for the Bears. Paris Johnson's one of a few players, Skaronsky, that you see a lot with the Bears, or Jalen Carter if he falls, seems to be the other hot name 
for the Bears at nine, but not in this mock. Jalen Carter went at three. Uh, Eagles now at pick 10 via the Saints. What are the Eagles doing at pick 10 here, Chris? Yeah, I wanted so badly to get fancy with this, and I go, you know it's the Eagles. You know what they're going to take. Don't don't outguess yourself here. And I, I, I forget, Bro, how do you say his name? Brian Bressy. Brian Bressy. Bressy. Yeah. Uh, out of Clemson. He's a no-brainer, five-star recruit coming out. He can take on double teams. He's got wiggle for a guy that size. Um, not big arms. That was an interesting part of him for me. Just thirty-two and a half inch. And he is long. Yeah, it just it just that one that was the part that that didn't make as as much sense. But it, I thought his ability to to take on double teams uh, as opposed to like Cansey. You know, Cansey, you get him on roller skates. He's going to be he's he's just going to be getting duo schemes all day long on him. Whereas this guy is going to be able to hold up. Uh, this is a team that when, they, when they're when they great, they have great offensive and defensive lines. They know that. They stick to it. They're not going to come off of it. If anything, you can argue the Cowboys fell behind them because they lost their focus on doing that. Um, so I, I, I this one feels like it's right, too. So, Brissy, with the loss of Javon Hargrave, who was a pass rusher first, I will say I think Brissy is better as a pass rusher than he is in the run game. That's a lot like Javon Hargrave. The Eagles, you know, they drafted Jordan Davis last year, but they want to have guys who get after the quarterback first. I do think that's Brissy's strength. Um, haven't seen him play a ton of football over the last few years, which makes him – he's one of the more intriguing prospects because there's still the uh, hypothetical upside because we just haven't seen him play well, we a saw, ton, but we've seen him flash. You know, the other thing we saw him is play on the edge against Tennessee a little bit. And uh, – they're going to want that, right, in Philly, because they're going to rotate through Moving eight, around eight guys, yep. you know. And and the ability to do multiple things. He's built like a nose tackle, but he can rush on the edge, and he can – I just I, – I like him. Well, here's a guy that I haven't seen picked this high. Yeah, here's yeah. where it starts Here's a guy. Here's the where Titans are on the weird. clock at 11. Is this the first pick that you uh, raised your eyebrows, Sam, when no. you scrolled down? No. Because you like, you like this guy. But, okay, Titans – Pick 11 here, Chris. I like both Ohio State tackles. I, I, I put them in the strangest order of all time. Um, but Dwan Jones out of Ohio State, especially playing on, on the right side, I just kept seeing Andrew Whitworth. I kept seeing a guy with these monster arms and 374 pounds a man that could still move. He was a top high school basketball player. You can see his feet that he can move, and I'm just telling when he stabs somebody, it's over. That play is over for that player. And he's, he's so big that even if he misses, he generally gets a second chance to go get him. I tried hard. I really did. I, and I like Skaronsky. I, I, I do. I really like him. And I just kept trying to go, no, I know that they're going to pick him above – Dewan Jones and people are going to go, oh, you can trade down and get Jones in the middle of the 20s and still be able to get him or second round even or whatever. And I was like, well, just put down what you see. And what I saw was that here's a guy that had the size that is freakish, uh, played the game like Whitworth, seemed to have no – like a basketball player's mentality as far as patience. 
you know, that he really didn't – like so many big guys just overreact, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. They just overreact, and they get out of position, and they get top-heavy, and they just lean their way out of, of um, playing. But the other thing that, that kind of turned me on to him was he had no problem reaching on those outside zone plays. So you're not limiting your scheme by taking a 374-pound man. You're, you're allowing him to – get up and, and and he can get out in front of those plays. So that part I liked. And then I saw him against a couple of nine techniques where he just, I go, oh, his, he's going to get his ass kicked. And he didn't, you know, he he, he could move in front of him and, and he could make the play. And I, I he, every once in a while you come across a player, like you go, you really want to chicken out because you know it's not the consensus. Yeah. But then I go, what if he's great? I'd much rather come back in three <laughs> years and go, told you guys i had that one nailed right there so he's my shot yeah i mean i i said to you the other day right he might be tackle two he might be the second best tackle in this draft his so obviously he's got the size and you people are going to talk all the time about how he's so big it's just difficult to run around him the thing i thought though that was crazy about him was how strong he is just in his arms right so he's got that wingspan thing the 89 and a half inch wingspan apparently is the longest they've ever measured so absurd but his strength at the edge of that is nuts like there are plays where he's beat and then he just reaches out a hand and stops a, a 250 pound edge rusher essentially with his grip strength yes and you're like that's that's stupid that shouldn't be possible and it bails him out of so many plays where it looks like he's done there's plays where it looks like he's beaten, and then simply with that insane wingspan and arm strength, he's able to stop a guy anyway. Um, and then the the other way the size thing shows up is, like, he doesn't need to be in control for him to still get a block, you know, make it happen. He's got the length to recover, and in, it doesn't even look pretty, but he's just yeah, he's able to recover. And it doesn't exactly. look pretty. That's yeah. exactly yeah. the point. Yeah. And a lot of times in the NFL, it's not pretty. And I, and I kept – what did you guys think about could he play left tackle? If he came right down to it. I don't think it matters. Because it's not a footwork thing with him, yeah. right? It's, Let, it's much more of he's just this massive human being. I think you got When you say that, Chris, do you, are you saying that as in like there's a different skill set for left and right tackle or as in can he learn the footwork for left I, tackle? I, I think teams get stuck sometimes where some key player gets hurt. And we've seen them take their best player and move them from right tackle to left tackle just because whatever I reason. Stupid. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> and, and you're probably right. And, and I actually do agree with you. But I've seen it happen enough to where you go, if he had to go over there and play, I don't think it would matter from his technique standpoint because he's just going to back up and then punch you in the yeah, face yeah. anyway, yeah, right? Like, that's not a technique. You just go kill somebody. I mean, he gave it's a up, good one. He gave up 15 pressures in two years playing the right tackle. Yeah. I mean, if we're, if we're looking at these guys and saying, like, immediately I'm drafting him and projecting him to the right side, left tackles. Like, if we're looking at some of these college left tackles and saying, I have a left tackle, I need a right tackle, I'm drafting him, moving him over. I mean, the same should apply for Dewan Jones going the other way. I think the days of right tackle only as a concept are gone they're they're definitely gone and look the only question is will this guy pick up the footwork or whatever it is how much does orlando brown help dewan jones the fact that orlando brown not only moved from right to left tackle in the middle of his nfl career but has been a good solid player just got paid by the bengals we see the comparison on the screen the size six eight they're 
345 for Orlando Brown, tack on about another 30 pounds for Dewan Jones. It's Sim- crazy. Ridiculous. The more we talk about Dewan Jones, I need to see him and Tyree Wilson go up against each other one-on-one when we talk arm length and stabs and all that stuff. Wingspan. That's travel. what we need. Uh, or Tyree Wilson against Skaronsky, just to uh, oh, just oh. to see the opposite. Oh, you want the opposite yeah. out there, yeah. Uh, so Dewan Jones going at 11. Well, that's, um, uh, that's Dewan Jones against Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, there you go. So I will say this. If, there, if we're going to see crazy runs, maybe it is tackle. I mean, that is the place where I think if in, in a draft where it's like, I don't see any blue chips, it's like, just take the tackle. Just take the Hold tackle. Hold on to your hat, man. This Mine's not be. over. <laughs> and now at pick 12. Now this is the one that you should legitimately be upset about. This is even I was a little upset when I did it. <laughs> Nick Casario did the same thing last year, though. I know. I know. And so I, I'm sitting there and I, I just keep looking at, at what's going to happen here. And the Laramie Tunsil talk and – you know, is he really going to be there? So then I started looking at tackles again. So I just started to type in Skaronsky's name, and I went back to my grades. And my grades had – so here's here's my bigger beef, is that there are guys that are going to be better run blockers than – and I'll give the pick, Anton Harrison, a, a tackle out of Oklahoma. They're, they're definitely going to be better um, run blockers than Harrison. He's not a big guy. He's not a big physical guy. But to me, the NFL is about pass protection. It's just about pass protection. And, and if you end up with a tackle that can pass protect, we can cover up. We can outside zone. We don't have to have somebody. The idea that you're going to take somebody in the NFL and just maul them on their back, like pancake blocks is what everybody is going to show on draft night. And they're just not even real. And even if you get one, they're one out of six games, you know, that where they come up. But – Harrison has really quick feet. He is athletic. He ran under five flat. He's definitely a better um, pass protector. I thought he had good recovery quickness trying to get back to the inside. Uh, He's not a nasty punch guy. He's not a big physical presence in there. But as far as just, uh, you know, and he did get a little edgier as the season went along. He was, I thought he was a little soft in the beginning. He got better. He got edgier as as the year went along playing against that SEC competition. Um, but I had those three guys before Skaronsky, and I just go, just stick to your board, man. Have some guts here. Don't chicken out. Just Let's just play it the way that, that it fell when you were studying him. I mean, you see Skaronsky as a guard, right? I see him as a guard, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that reasonably changes the whole dynamic. Like, if you think he's a guard, by definition, he's not tackle one, and you're debating yeah. guard value versus tackle value. That's exactly where. If I you're am. predicting the NFL, though, the, the NFL is not afraid of guards in the top ten historically, or like a Brandon Scherf conversion or Quentin Nelson. Um, so we could see that go either way. But I mean, if you're saying, "Hey, I want, I want to fill these tackle needs," I want or whatever, pass protection. Then you could see that's all I want. Skaronsky falling yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So the Anton Harrison, another big surprise in the mock, going number twelve to the Houston Texans. I do like him. The, for the reasons you described, for the uh, for pass protection over the run game, that puts now the newly minted number thirteen overall pick. It's the Green Bay Packers because as of yesterday, the Packers and Jets have flipped mm-hmm. first round picks. The Packers up to thirteen, Jets fall to fifteen in the Aaron Rodgers trade. Where are you going with the Packers here at thirteen? Oh, we still made the right pick. Yeah, Sam's favorite. <laughs> this is Sam chalk pick here. Yeah, your favorite. I, I, I'm with you. I, I've heard you say it. And I probably stole it from you, but. <laughs> They, um, you know, Dalton Kincaid to me has a chance. 
<laughs> do I really want to say this? Do it. Do it. He looks like Travis, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey, the there field. it is. He there looks is. like him. I, you know, he's not going to be an inline blocker. You're not going to put him on the end of the line of scrimmage and go, okay, we're going to drive this guy out of here. But Jordan Love is going to have a new best friend. He's going to have a new best friend. This guy knows he knows every soft spot. That's that's what I love about watching Kelsey play. He just he he plays quarterback at tight end. He knows what the quarterback is thinking. He knows where that soft spot in the zone is. He knows he doesn't have to get there too quickly. Yeah. I mean, with Andrew Wiley, they were chipping him a lot. They were like it didn't matter when he went out in the route because he got out and then the run after the catch stuff. He just sort of glides in and out of defenders and that I think the 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 zone stuff I think is where he most resembles Kelsey so people are going to talk about his run after the catch skills and you know it it bears some resemblance but a lot of times you hear people say you know a guy understands how to settle in in zones to find the space you know and mostly what they mean is he can read a coverage and know that that's a soft spot in the zone just head to the space right but where Kelsey and Kincaid are really good is they understand how to get to the space in a way that gives them the biggest window to do it, right? So they'll kind of lean on a a DB and then give him a move so that when they turn away from him, they're turning into the space and the DB is turning in the other way and they're like broadening that window. Kelsey's maybe the best guy I've ever seen at doing that and Kincaid understands it as well, which is super sophisticated for college. Like most tight ends you see, even the ones that understand zone coverage, like headed a straight line towards the middle of the space. Whereas Kincaid, they slither in there. Yeah, like yeah, he understands how he to does. how to like m- like manufacture the space, not just head to it. And on top of that, just overall athleticism, feel gliding is a great way to describe Kincaid. Um, I think all of a sudden he's, he shows power after the catch. He looks faster than everybody around him on the field. Like a lot of it's really really good. Yeah. So I'm saving the Kelsey comp. I think for Brock Bowers for next year when he comes out from Georgia. But when people mention it, like I get it. Doesn't mean he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer or anything right. like that. It just means, hey, there aren't many tight ends that resemble Travis Kelsey, and Kincaid could be one of them. Yeah, I mean, it's like the Aaron Donald thing, right? It's unfair to compare anybody to Aaron Donald because the guy is a one of one, maybe the greatest player that's ever played the game. But there are going to be players who have elements of their game that are reminiscent of Aaron Donald, and it, you know, it, you can't like avoid them as sacred cows we can't ever compare a guy like when it makes sense it makes sense when the bad comps come out though in my in my retro draft watching right there was definitely a 10-year period where everybody was the next warren sap yeah like oh they need this team needs their three technique like warren sap and none of them well, until just, donald yeah. actually became that guy. i'll get to that later pick number 14 new england patriots so this is where i'm probably most uncomfortable not because i'm taking Devin Witherspoon because I waited to pick 14 to take Devin Witherspoon. He honestly might end up being my guy that jumps up to the Raiders at seven, seven, right? Uh, I love this player. I I just love him. I think he plays the game with a passion um, that you just don't see a lot. He's got a feisty style. He's not very big, but he's physical. He can play on an island. You could tell at Illinois, they just went, you just take that guy, sort of like Dion and and we'll figure it out. But he he played a lot of that off and inside coverage, which as a receiver I thought was always the easiest thing to beat. Um, So he has the ability to play what I consider to be the hardest coverage uh, to try to play against. Uh, Just 
figures out a, a lot of what's going on. You can see him diagnosing uh, on the field. That's his um, biggest strength, I think. He's uh, so far ahead of the game reading it. Yeah, I, I just I just really – and he, he had a pick against Northwestern, and you could watch him run with the ball, and you just saw how athletic the guy was uh, going. And he's so quick driving on those inside routes. I mean, he just – like it's – Nothing. It's like he bounces off a wall when he's coming back the other direction. So I, I, I'm thinking you'll see this guy in my 2.0 a little bit higher than where he is right now. No complaints. Love Devin yeah. Witherspoon. I mean, in a draft absent, you know, surefire things and blue chip prospects, it wouldn't take much persuading to convince me that Devin Witherspoon and Dalton Kincaid belong in that conversation. Yep. Ooh, look at you. Throwing more blues up there. So Witherspoon in this version goes to the Patriots at 14. You're finally picking a cornerback here with Witherspoon. That puts the Jets now up on the clock at pick 15. Yeah, and for the Jets, uh, this is – Skaronsky's just too good a player, whether he plays guard or tackle, to fall any more than this. Uh, obviously, good protection. I think as a guard, he's going to be able to use his, his quickness even better to get up to second-level plays and – uh, but to have additional uh, talent on the offensive line, forget about where he plays for Aaron Rodgers coming in there. Uh, again, if you can keep the pressure from coming up the gut against Aaron, that's a that's a big asset for him because nobody works the six gaps. I that's what I call them anyway. You've got gaps on either side of the center, either side of the guard. He drops back and. Unless you're rushing six, one of them is going to be open, and Aaron finds it better than anybody. Um, but Skronsky is just rock solid, good player, almost definitely will go ahead of where I have him ranked on here. And the only reason he dropped uh, was I just think he's going to end up playing guard. So he could fill a couple different roles for the Jets. They've got a lot of questions at tackle and uh... – just the best player available pick here for the Jets. And, and you're 50. right. That, that's probably my biggest is you know he can play tackle even if he ends up at the other position that you've got your swing tackle now. We were just joking about how there's just not enough data points for the really short-armed guys having a shot at tackle. We wish the NFL would just give them more opportunities because, you know, guys like Zach – I don't even know what Zach Martin and Quentin Nelson ended up arm length-wise. I think Nelson They're had the tackle body, but – um, oh, Nelson, we, I don't know, but Martin no, and Yanda is the other one. Mar Martin and Yanda, like, they, they could have been those elite guards who could have been good tackles, maybe better. We just don't have the data to yeah, really support I think it. they both it, have. It's interesting. Skaronsky, the one move that he has that I really like, it, it's the one offset for the short arm stuff, is the single arm. We talk about defensive edges doing the single arm. Offensive linemen can do that, too. So they yeah. get their shoulders turned. So now instead of 32, they're right. 34. Yep. If you've got the quickness to get back out of it and and reset your feet and be able to make plays. And, and he does. He uses all the tools. He's a well-developed guy, and he's, he's going to be a really good player. That's why there's so much more than just uh, measurables when we're looking at these players. Uh, pick number 16, Washington Commanders are up on the clock here, Chris. Yeah, and I do think this could fall to here. I think Gonzalez, to me, Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon, uh, is is a good player. Uh, you know, the whole Dan Snyder thing sitting there underneath him, but he's got the he's got the speed, he has the size. In reality, he probably, you know, if you just watch these two guys line up or you get them out on the playground, you're probably taking Gonzalez as the first corner, right? 
Um, but he's, he's, I mean, four, three, eight, 41 and a half vertical. How, when did everybody in the world start having a 40 inch vertical, by the way, <laughs> we used to think that that was like Michael Jordan was some freak show. Cause he could jump that high. Every cornerback and receiver in this class is like 40 inches now. Um, and this guy's a good tackler too. He, he probably ends up going higher as well. Um, but this is, he's, he's a good player, but the second best corner in this draft. Wow, so Christian Gonzalez, 16 to Washington. I like Gonzalez as, as cornerback two over Devin Witherspoon. Sam's a little bit lower on him, but I did scroll down, and I found the pick that you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> I found the pick that you don't like, and I want to know, Chris, is this – the Steelers are up at 17. Is this coming from, you know, the, your cabbie friends in uh, Pittsburgh? Is this some inside info here? We've actually heard the Steelers linked potentially to this player. Oh, you're kidding. I, 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 right, didn't I send that to you? Didn't I send you a note about that? I don't think so. And you said next Artie Burns. No, oh, no, you're right. That, yes. that, that's exactly – that so was the one away. thing. Pick 17 for the Steelers. So Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami. And, again, this is Joey Porter's space, and this is where, you know, they're, they're going oh, to take – Joey Porter Jr. They're, they're going to take a corner or they're going to take a receiver, right, or whatever they're going to – or, or offensive lineman. That's Tackle, what I meant. Yeah. And I, I just kept watching the tape, and I go – He's a better player. I mean, he's not the fastest guy in the world, um, but he – and he's – I think he was <laughs> – I couldn't even find him on the mock draft simulator <laughs> to make the pick. That's Sam's fault. It, but it, it – I, I just think that he makes some big mistakes that we've seen, and I know that'll – I have already Burns written down on this thing See? here. Uh, and he definitely has <laughs> has some of that, uh, but he has such like to me the corners that really gave me problems were guys that were patient, guys that didn't make you know jerky kind of moves. And I like the way that um, that he he comes out of the breaks and, and coverages. Um, he blew a couple of coverages in different games. Um, but it yep. wasn't like he got beat. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like there were big plays. We don't know how much that's coaching. Right. Attributable stuff, to yeah. him. But I, I didn't see him get beat. I saw him give up plays. And it's like receivers. When I watch receivers, I tend to go, all right, did he get open or was he open or did he get open? You know, there's a difference in, sure. in a lot of, of those plays. Um so I, you know, I just I, I thought he was feisty and competitive in bump coverage. Um, I, I I just thought he was the next one. I, and I even in my my picks down there at the end, it's just I, he's a bit of a potential play. He's a physical style running pass. Uh, and sorry to Joey Porter fans because I, I think he's a better player than Joey. Wow, there we go. That's this is the type of stuff that can happen on draft night. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Tyree Stevenson is in. He's he's in the category your don't draft list. You know your Tyree Wilson list. He would be in my. I I don't want to take that chance. Somebody else can take a swing at that. I he, there's too much about his tape that terrifies me. Like he, there's some bad plays in there. There are there are. I'm, I'm not even me, arguing with you. He reminds me a lot of Artie Burns, and in terms of he feels like a better athlete than football player right now. And some people are going to look at that and go, that's great. We're going to teach him the football part, and then we have, you know, the perfect corner. I tend to err more on the side of 
there's a lot of great athletes around, and a lot of them don't make good football players. So through pick 17, we have a bunch of tackles off the board. We have not heard any wide receivers called, right? We also haven't heard Will Levis. And we have not heard Will Levis. Will Levis is still on the board. Jackson Smith and Jigba and the rest of the receivers are still on the board. Former receiver Chris Collinsworth hating Mm. this receiver class, apparently. So that puts the Lions back up here at pick 18. They got Tyree Wilson first time around. Where are they going at 18, Chris? I I think this is, for me, about where Levis would be. Um, it, it gives you – I think you have to evaluate Will Levis, and I think you have to evaluate Jared Goff over the next couple of years. And this gives you a year to see. I, if both those guys are on the field side by side – so I don't think the Lions are ever going to be a quarterback-driven team. I just don't see it. And, and Goff has two more years left on his deal – But you could flip with all the talent that Detroit is beginning to accumulate there. And they signed Nate Sudfeld to be the backup quarterback. But you bring in Levis, you let him develop, uh, and there's a chance that after two years you could get out of the contract with golf, be on a rookie contract with all this talent that they're compiling. It's a second first-round pick. He's, He's at least been discussed as one of the top two players whether anybody was serious about that or not and again I think what Detroit is going to want to play is somebody who's not going to turn it over that's going to let the team and the physical nature of the defense and all those sorts of things went out Uh, and when Levis is at his best that's his style catch it get it out of your hands don't make a big mistake he can do the quarterback sneak he can throw the ball 80 yards you know, he has all those sort of things that you're looking for, uh, and and he has a toughness that is going to fit. It, he, you know, to some extent, and this is going to sound crazy, but Brett Favre, when he came out, was throw it through a brick wall, but had no idea where, anything, what he was doing or where it was going. And, you know, he got cut by Atlanta, basically. I mean, yep. they just couldn't take it anymore. Right. Uh, and Levis has got some quirks to him, but I, I do think if – Again, brought along slowly and not dumped right in there. And Jared Goff's a good guy. He's not going to be offended by it. He's going to keep working. And you know, he had a great year. Levis had a great year in 21. And they did change offensive coordinators at Kentucky. Yeah. And it didn't work out. The so. 2021 year is, like, that's the thing that would sell you on Levis. Like, that's the year where you see what he can be. Um, he's such a strange player, though. Like, every single comp – I hear for him scares me because none of, they're all similar and none of them are good. You know, it's all players like Jake Locker or Blaine Gabbert. And it's like, uh, Mitch Trubisky yeah. is mine. Yeah. It's not, all not, players like that. I wasn't giving a direct comp. It was more the feels that I felt right. while watching the film, which was, Oh, nice. Oh no. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh no. That was my, my Will Levis feels. And for a guy that has that arm and the, the, the capacity to make plays that he has, they don't exist on his tape. Like the, he had seven big-time throws last year for a dude who can throw it through the goalposts from the 50-yard line on his knees. That's what's interesting to me. You said early hours ago on the show, the thing that sold you on Will Levis was him just kind of sitting in the pocket and distributing and just... Point guard. Right? Which yep. is usually the way I've described C.J. Stroud. I think, that's, I, I think you hear that more with Stroud, whereas with Levis, you hear more big arm, upside... You know, but he doesn't pay it off to Sam's yeah. point. It's like, yeah, he's got it. Honestly, that's what Carson Wentz, other than one year, that's how Carson Wentz has played. Because Wentz has a, a cannon for an arm, 
But he has pretty much played this underneath, safer type of game for the majority of his career. I'm not equating those two either. I'm just saying sometimes you hear cannon for an arm and you just assume, all right, Josh Allen type of upside, but you're not describing that with Levis here necessarily. No, I'm not. And and I think there's a lot for all these guys to learn. Um, so that's why it gets me all the way back to Bryce Young. And that's my A number one concern about him is just can he throw the ball you know, way up in the air and let these receivers run under it 55 yards down the field. So but, this guy can. I mean, you know he can. The Lions, one of the most intriguing teams in the draft, four picks, so two first-rounders, but also four in the top 55. And with Hendon Hooker in the mix here or one of the top four, if however you rank them, potentially falling, the Lions, they've built so much of the rest of that roster. They've done a great job. They are equipped to just take a quarterback and take a shot yeah. and say, here's it's, our Jared Goff replacement or competitor. They're a classic example of like we were talking about with Houston, which is you've got three picks and Jared Goff is your quarterback. Why not roll the dice? Like, just see if one of these guys has a shot. And it almost, it doesn't really matter which one, whether it's Will Levis falling, you know, whether it's Hendon Hooker available at either that second or third pick, like, just take a shot. It, you know, it I, I can matter. do either one of those. I, I really would. I mean, obviously, I was telling you, I was taking Hooker at yeah. seven. So I could really have done either one of those guys right there. Tampa Bay Bucks, you're up on the clock. Pick 19. Where are you going? You know, a lot here? of people talk about uh, Warren Sapp. Oh, you need no. Here it comes. <laughs> here it comes. I'm uh, sorry. But this is about right for Kalijah Kansi. Uh, he's. His size is a little bit of a concern to me, but, man, I love that first step. I, you're talking about triple moves off the line of scrimmage. He just is almost impossible to block. Four, six, seven speed, beat Aaron Donald's time with that. I, his release move is wide receiver-like. There's just no doubt. You almost have to, if you want to try and block him, get a second set of hands on him or at least a third hand on him because he's going to get an edge on you and get right in the, the lap of your quarterback. Uh, I think the duo scheme, I'm not so sure he's going to be able to play on run-only kind of downs. Those duo schemes and the double teams are going to drive him off the ball. So that's going to be the kryptonite for him there. But, I mean, just his his ability. And, and I think that teams that want to play – that want to stunt and move and you know he just is just right down broadway for him so in tampa i could i could almost see them just like okay let's just do let's get back to rebuilding our defense yeah let's be great at something especially in this division and then we'll worry about what happens to quarterback bucks have a lot of holes now so if if the tackles fall any good you know edge defender defensive lineman anything i mean they they need help a few different places now so I think that makes sense. I like Cancy a lot as that interior penetrator. I think you described him pretty well. Uh, Seahawks back on the clock at pick 20. They took Will Anderson at pick five. So where are they going here? So Seattle's always a little crazy, right? I mean, yeah. we can, we can, that's not unfair <laughs> Nobody to likes say to that. Predict they're, they're, right. They're always a little bit crazy here. Um, and I, I just think that for Pete Carroll, he can't stand not being great on defense and running the football. Those are the two things that in his soul, that's who he is. And the whole let Russ cook thing and all that, it just <laughs> it boggled his mind. He, he just that, I just never saw that as, as what he wanted to be. 
So I'm going with uh, Lucas Van Ness here, the edge out of Iowa. And so I'm basically going two edges for this team. But why not? They went two tackles last year and ended up that ended up working out for but them. They need they need multiple edges. They yeah. need multiple defensive linemen for it, sure. Yeah. And, and, and this is sort of the opposite guy, in, in yep. my opinion, of what Will Anderson would be. He's, he's much more of the power. Uh, he's much more of he's not going to be the great wiggle kind of guy. But you watch him against Ohio State, and I've already told you what I think about their two tackles there, that it's really he just finds a way to get pressure. And I do think he's the kind of guy that could drop down and be a three technique on passing downs inside, and you could bring another edge or more of a speed edge on the outside. But just the relentless effort, you know, just the guy that – that's never going to give up on a play. He's going to end up like a Karloftis. He's going to end up with three sacks that he didn't beat anybody, but he just kept working. And, and when the quarterback stepped up or scrambled, he's going to fall into a into a sack of some type. But James Harrison kind of just force on the outside. Um, you know, I even saw him line up against uh, at nose tackle one time against Wisconsin. So a lot of versatility, and, and I, I'm thinking Pete is – going to redo his defense that's that's what i think so lucas van ness and will anderson going to seattle i think for them or detroit i'm really intrigued at team uh, for with teams potentially doubling up at positions i feel like you can make positions a strength overnight so seattle doubling doubling up at edge with a versatile guy like van ness i kind of like that in the mock here pick 21 it's the los angeles chargers we know the dolphins have forfeited their pick we always have to remind people of that for dolphins fans uh but the chargers are up at pick 21. Yeah, and Deontay Banks out of Maryland is just a speed athlete, great 42-inch vertical, 4.35 speed, 11.4 broad, all top 95% uh, when you're looking at that. Um, he's he's can give up the edge a little bit in the run game. He makes a few plays. He's pretty handsy guy. Some of the stuff he got away with in college is he's not going to get away with uh, in the National Football League. Um, he squats on routes. Um, I saw him literally tackle a receiver of Ohio State who was going to go right by him. I on, sent you that yeah. clip, Sam. I was like, look at this technique. <laughs> yeah, he just, he just tackled him. But, God, they're just – God just didn't make too many guys that four three five forty two inch vertical eleven four and uh, you know that and, and with some size and six two and two oh five that, that's a freaky freaky kind of athlete. He feels that athletic on the field. Yeah, I he think, does. Too. Deontay Banks. He's a little bit smaller than that. The uh, that was the the Maryland inflation. You know, he Maryland up, inflation. He ended up uh, six foot and one ninety seven. I think it was that's why he didn't feel. Like yeah, drop <laughs> him down. That's it. That makes sense. Second round. Got to get those. Uh, you got to got to watch out for those colleges. It is funny because a guy like DJ Turner from Michigan, who uh, my data, the data really likes, the model. didn't feel like a four-two guy. When, you know when he right. ran uh, when watching him play Turner from Michigan. But I thought Banks, who was not as productive as DJ Turner, Banks felt this fast, this explosive, and it felt like, yeah, you know, the receiver's got to step on me, but I'll make that up real quick here. Yeah, it, it's you know like. Um... A Mike Tomlin kind of guy in Pittsburgh. You're willing to, with wide receivers or corners, kind of dip into some later rounds with them. I mean, he spends so much time with those corners there. Every Friday, he has a cornerback only meeting. Really? Yeah, or maybe DBs only. But yeah, he's he. That's those are his positions. He knows how to teach those too. So, 
But, uh, you know, he's he's too good an athlete to not at least take a chance on this at this point in the draft. So pick 21, Chargers go Deontay Banks. puts uh, Pick 22 now, it's the Baltimore Ravens. Here we go. This is a dig directly at Sam. The I, first wide receiver off the board. Yeah. Um, I'm not crazy about this class, as you can probably tell already. Um, and I, so I, I go back to my, my one thing that I watched. Is he open and making plays, or did he get open and make plays? And a lot of times, some of the uh, – and Jigba is one of the guys that I saw open and making plays, but I didn't see him get open and making plays. And hamstring guys just make me nervous. I, I've been around teammates. That's fair. That's probably the best point against – Jackson Smith missing almost an entire year with a hamstring is pretty weird. Yeah, like they don't go away. And and, and hamstring guys don't always go that fast again. It's always somewhere in your brain. Even yes. if you are faster, do you really want to hit that last gear and yeah. take a chance? Because once you pull a hamstring, it, it's your season's over. You may come back. But you're never going to be the same, and that's exactly what happened to yeah. him last year. You know, he just he just couldn't well, make right. it back. It's never made any sense to me. People that like people that are sort of being eased back in from a hamstring injury. It's like, how is that even possible? I couldn't. You you either can run again or you can't. Like, and you don't know until you do it, and then it goes or it doesn't. Like, I have no idea how these guys sort of ease back in with like, oh, he's he's running eighty percent right now. What? That's not a thing. <laughs> I mean, it looks Unless like you're in year 12, like you know, then it's like... Like, I, I did a hamstring once, and this was back when I was coaching kids rugby. And because when you're coaching rugby, you're doing the refereeing as well. So you had to, like, run around. And I, I kept doing it. Like, I had the thing strapped up and all kind, of, But, like, you would have to run a little bit. And then you're like, ah, there it goes again. And it dragged on for months. So I kind of get how you can miss an extended period of time. I just don't understand how you can, like ease back into it and be like, ah, oh, he's 80% ready now. So that's why Smith and Jacob has fallen in your mock, but Zay Flowers is your top receiver yeah. on the board here. So he was able to get his way open. He, he's among the faster of these guys as well, uh, you know, four four two at the Combine. Steve Smith loves him, and I love Steve Smith, so that definitely helped him. They protected him a good bit in, in some of those bunch formations. Um he obviously was by far the best athlete that they had on Boston College. So they kept him kind of close to the quarterback so they could keep getting him the ball, whether it was reverses or whatever. But he also showed the ability just in shallow crosses to use his speed to get away from people uh, and run full speed. And so that's when I was into the whole debate about hamstrings and, and all of that. But he also, because he's been the guy – and the only guy in some cases at Boston College, you kind of carry that into the NFL and, and you're used to having to come up with the plays when they absolutely matter. Uh, he's explosive in space, so jet sweeps, he can do all that kind of stuff. Has this little funny skip step like an NBA player coming down ready to dunk on you or something. Um, so I, I just think that he is uh, – uh, you know, and he makes those X plays, you know, the the one where he, there was a busted wide receiver screen and he, uh, you know, supposed to throw it to the tight end and he circled all the way back across the field, ran it in for a touchdown. So just some of those X plays, I, I thought of the receivers, thought he was much more polished than Jigba and much more than Quentin Johnson for sure. 
Um, so I made him my number one. A lot of people have Zay Flowers as their number one mm. wide receiver. You and I did not get to that same conclusion, Sam, but it's receiver. It is very... Yeah. It's a good thing because I always miss on receivers. So I mean, you guys are probably flavor, right. But it, we, we mentioned all it's like a flavor. Like what flavor do you like? What do you... What are you weighing? What do you like more than other? What are you seeing? It is more than other positions, I think. Um, so that puts the the Vikings up on the clock at pick twenty three. Where are the Vikings going? They forced my hand. I, you have to have a receiver. <laughs> I, you know, it didn't matter. I just had to take the next best one, and I debated this one forever. Um, and the four or five thing for Quentin Johnson. That's who I took out of TCU. It scared me, you know, the 41-inch vertical, and you go, okay, well, he'll make up for it on contested catches, but he doesn't. He doesn't go get them. I mean, how can this guy, 6'3", 208, not be an off-the-top-of-the-backboard kind of guy with a 41-inch vertical? And then oh, the, the, the – four- I know who the comp is now. Sorry. Oh. It's Chase Claypool. Have that, we used that yet? That's pretty good. No. Big, fast guy that just – you know, should win at the catch point, but doesn't. Sorry, carry on No, it, <laughs> as, you're, as you're talking through that. But, I mean, at TCU, they had a good team, so they were playing ahead. You know, I do think he's kind of a true X receiver. He's the big physical guy. They're going to allow Jefferson to go over on the other side and, and just do his thing. And, and I, I, all I kept trying to do was go, can he be DK Metcalf? Can he at least – be enough of a presence that you're not willing to shift all of your coverage over to Jefferson and just let him work. That if you if you're truly going to put him at X, you're going to put Jefferson on the other side and are you willing to play one-on-one with one guy against him down the field at 63208 and you know, can you teach him how to go win contested balls? You should be able to. I can't I can't explain why he's not good at it, but he's not. So you, I, that, I don't think that's a teachable thing, do you? Um, um, your favorite receiver for uh, Washington. Um, Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin took me through uh, drills of what he was doing. He, he had a thing where he was going up. He practiced going up and contested catches over just a – dummy or whatever but it was a big one yeah and he had to go up and over and he got really good at it so uh, that was the first time i'd ever seen anybody say that you can be taught that so maybe because that's uh, always struck me as a skill that like is innate that some people when the ball's in the air and they're downfield their natural inclination is to go and get it and other people want want to let it come to them right i was always i want the ball to come to me like i'm i'm running i'm open here's the bucket let it drop in there. Other people turn around. They want to go up and get the ball before it arrives there. It always felt to me like that was a skill you have or you don't. But I, I do. It is interesting. Like how much could you make that better? You know, you know what really bugged me about my career, looking back on it, is I wasn't good at that. And then I started thinking, we didn't do that. <laughs> we nobody threw the yeah. ball up in they the didn't air. Throw jump balls like back you had or to back be, shoulders. That, no, that you exist. had to be a, have a step on yeah. a guy before they were going to throw right. you the before ball you deep. Targeted. And I'm like, you know, I'm six four, six five. You really, you couldn't just throw it up in the air and giving me a chance to rebound out that. So I don't know. 
I bet it is like rebounding though. Like Dennis Dennis Rodman was such a good rebounder because he saw it. Yeah, he was not like and he went. I was a good rebounder. I had yeah. to be. I was a terrible shooter, so I, that's <laughs> the way it worked. But another like it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a size thing, right? No, like Rodman Rodman's not the biggest guy in the world, but when it's the best a feel and body out, control yeah. and positioning and angles and all sorts of things. And that like go into it, it. the feel thing is the important part. It's like it's an innate sense of how that whole thing works, right? Whether it's rebounding or whether it's going up to get the ball. And I st- and I bring up Chase Claypool because he's about a thirty percent contested catch guy that's what quentin johnston's been at the college level but every now and again has one but there's like, one oh and look claypool's debut there was this incredible one it's like what a find by the steelers yeah. and he never really replicated it and with quentin johnston his biggest fans might have five or six catches they're like well look at this oh he can't catch the ball in tight spaces or whatever of course he's got five or six great throws but you know on a per play basis it's not as good as it should be for a guy his size that's not. It's just not. So uh, it's it's fascinating the way some of these players are falling now because the Jaguars are up at 24. They might get a really good player that falls. Who are the Jags taking? I put Joey Porter here. Um, I, I think that, you know, he's a big, good-looking player, and I just kept wanting to make him Mel Blunt. You know, and he's just he's just not. Um, you know, I, I just I kept thinking, is there – is there something here? But I, I, I thought the athleticism was limited. Uh, he's not really physical enough, which, you know, you, you, it's unfair. Believe me, I, it's my own kids. I understand it's not fair to put what you did in that category and all the different things. Um, and, and I thought he was good, but I didn't see really anything special, you know, because and, – and I'm the worst at this. I'm like this with movies, too. If I go to a movie and everybody tells me it's great, I always think it sucks. And if I go to a movie and everybody tells me it sucks, I, then I'm like, eh, pretty good, you know? <laughs> and so I think I was, I was anticipating that he was going to be great. And then I started looking at some of the grades, and, like, he has 27 positive plays but 28 negative plays. He's got 17 negative 1.0 plays. Uh, or worse, minus 1.0, and only nine positive 1.0 plays. So that's what I saw. I saw a guy um, with long arms, but I didn't see him taking on and jamming and making people look stupid off the the line of scrimmage. Uh, He wasn't really twitchy. He wasn't a huge hitter or physical kind of guy. And and I kept trying to put him into the second round, and I go – there's too much hype around this guy. Somebody's taking him for sure, uh, and I couldn't figure out anybody to give Jacksonville, so I put him there. <laughs> with the size, I mean, with the size and the length, I do think he will go yeah. first round. Yeah, particularly um, like you know, he 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 might be cornerback one for teams that really want to play that man coverage style. So that alone will keep him in the have, first round. Have we not paired him with Seattle enough and only thought about Julius Brents? Right. For Possibly. Seattle. I mean, maybe we'd, so I, I, that's always fascinating when that happens during draft time. You just don't think of certain players with teams for whatever reason when maybe we, maybe we should, maybe we should take a Porter. I mean, it's really the reason that I like listening to other shows and other, cause they do, somebody will say something that, and, and a lot of times it's like the insider, you know, a coach says, but by the time you get to this week, uh, I'm not. This is this is lying week this right now. Awful. This is all the fake yeah. stuff. I try not to listen to anybody because I don't want to get swayed. Yeah, I don't, I'm trying not to get swayed here. And you weren't swayed with pick 25, the I New York Giants. Yeah. Maybe you were swayed by going center here because I've done that before. But you picked a different one. Yeah, I, I just out of. I, I assume they still need a center. That that's yes. one of their focal points. 
we didn't like him as much. Uh, PFF didn't had him like 47th. But I, again, I, I just put on the tape and and I tried. I, I really tried to get um, to the Minnesota guy, uh, you know. And and but I just thought he was better. He's not as big. He's he's you know 300 pounds. But I just thought he really stayed on blocks. He's got strong hands. He's fighting till the very end. And I love the way he ran the line of scrimmage. I just thought he was the clear leader at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and if you can take some of that off of Jones and just have a real pro up there being able to do it, he moves quickly off the ball. Um, I do think there could be a problem with a big nose tackle, just shoving him back in to Daniel on, on some plays. Um, but I, I went through all of his worst plays, and they weren't that bad. You know, for me, a lot of times something that will flip the switch on me is, all right, I want to see all his worst plays. And you go, eh, it wasn't that bad. And he can pull, he can um, – so anyway, a lot of people are going to take wide receiver, I think, in here and, and Jigba, Jordan Addison. Some of those guys may end up being the ones that, that go here. But for me, I, I was I was relatively impressed here to make the move with – Whippler? Is it Whippler? Luke Whippler. Yes, the center from Ohio State going number 25 to the Giants. Yeah, I mean, you've been pushing John Michael Schmitz, the Minnesota center, the whole time, but Whippler's profile, it's pretty close. Like, there's not that big a difference between the two of them. The Similar. biggest, the biggest yes. difference might be is that Whippler is probably a center only, you know, quote unquote. Like, you can probably make, if you want, you can take John Michael Schmitz and he might be able to play guard with you, you know, early. Well, if, that happens a lot before they play center down the line. Whippler might have to play center only, which potentially, you know, removes some versatility. But, like, guy didn't give up a sack or a hit last year. He gave up, what is that, 14 total pressures the last two seasons. I mean, his grading profile in his tape is it's pretty good. Uh, both John Michael Schmitz and Luke Whippler, good zone blockers, outside zone blockers, all that stuff. I think this is the type of move that happens on, on draft day, right? A guy that might the consensus board might have in the 40s or 50s, but teams are like, hey, not only do I like this guy, they fill, fill a need. You could see a team like the Giants, not necessarily just them, but just fill the center need with, well, and, with and one of these guys. With the way I've got the board, a lot of receivers will be dropping here, and I think there'll be too much pressure on the Giants to not take one of them. Yeah. Uh, but it's not what I would do. I, I, I'm a real believer in the Philadelphia Eagles style of just keep loading up with big guys. We'll find the little guys somewhere else. <laughs> we'll come up with them. All right, that puts the Cowboys up on the clock at pick 26. We have not seen Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer, who we always give to the Cowboys. <laughs> but uh, where are you going? Yeah, I, tight end is definitely going to be under consideration here. But I, I just thought there was too much going on with their running back position not to take Gibbs. Uh, Gibbs, and they're not really an outside zone kind of pure team. But, man, is this guy exciting to watch. Uh, the 4-3-6 sp speed and really where he belongs is San Francisco or one of those outside zone teams where you just foot race uh, to the edge out there. But he's got plenty of fight on that first contact. He's got the speed to escape. I kept putting the 49ers and the Dolphins. If the Dolphins hadn't <laughs> missed out on their pick, I might have put him at tried to slide him right yeah. in there. But whether it's jet sweeps or just flip the ball to them, get them the ball on screens, um, I, I really I think there's a chance we look back on him and go, 
And he was he was pretty special. And with Pollard coming off the broken leg, Elliott no longer there, ended up getting cut. Uh, and, and the other thing is that you can't forget that Mike McCarthy's taking over the play calling here. Um, and Kellen Moore, I, I, I think McCarthy's going to want to look a little different with what he's doing. He almost has to. If you're going to take over, you're going to get rid of an offensive coordinator. They've had a lot of top-ranked offensive. Yeah, right. You've got to do something that's different. And I think he gives them a chance to feel different on offense for the Cowboys. Man, Gibbs puts – Second level defenders in a blender. Also, I mean, there, just which the, I love that combination, the explosion that they have in the backfield with Gibbs and Pollard. Like, you know, before you have Zeke Elliott as the kind of the sledgehammer and then Pollard coming in and knife through the defense. Now it's knives. Both of them are knives. Yeah, my favorite thing the Cowboys did this offseason is trade for Stephon Gilmore and Brandon, Brandon Cooks, right? Bring in two, two players that are going to shore up key positions and you can. Man, there is there is a case to be made for just getting more athletic and explosive, even at running back, when you have all those weapons that Dallas has. Yeah, I, I and I think that a tight end will still be around. That'll be yes, good enough for them in the second round. That's what's also going to dictate the first round is the depth at receiver, the depth at tight ends, the depth at edge defender, the lack of depth at tackle and some other positions maybe where that's going to dictate where where players go. Uh, pick twenty seven, Buffalo Bills are up on the clock. Yeah, if you're going to ask Josh Allen to run less, then protect him and 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 get better with your traditional running game. Um, Osiris Torrance out of Florida is another one. My two Florida guys kind of make me a little crazy, to be honest with you. I, I watch him and I go, 6'5", 350. And again, my preconceived notion of what I was going to see on the screen was, this guy's just going to be mauling people. I can't wait to watch this. This is going to be awesome. But he's not really that. He's he's much more of a kind of a quick-footed, keeps a nice wide base in what he's doing. He can he can get around. He can get on the right side of people, and then of course he's strong enough to hold on to it. He's he really has never connected what should be or what I assume is a really powerful lower body to a strong upper body. I haven't seen him do that yet. He stands up a little bit too much but there's just so much there at that size and you go all right you just stand here and I'm going to tell Josh Allen to sit in the pocket and don't let him get hit right and and I think he's going to be able to do that um it's I don't know I this was a little bit of a tough one for me because I know receiver is going to come into the mix here as well so again my anti-receiver bias probably because I've missed so many picks over the years at receiver (laughs) I go, okay, I'll take a 350-pound guy, and then I'll just live with it. Former NFL receiver refuses yeah. to select a receiver. What's funny, we're getting down to it now. You know, the late 20s picks, the, the chat box is starting to kind of piece that together with the players that are still on the board and therefore might fall out of the first round entirely and lose their minds. Uh, oh, there's going to be more because this one nobody's going to have on their boards. We've got... Currently still on the board are Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is number nine player in the PFF big board. Nolan Smith, number 13. Brian Branch, number 15. Michael Mayer, number 19. So that's what, four top 20 guys on the board still sitting there. Broderick Jones and Darnell Wright right. as well. I didn't even realize that. This is great. This is, this, all you, all you this can, is I'm real. telling you, I did this and I didn't look at, like, I, I think it's so easy to get influenced by yeah. all the boards. Yeah. Like you see constantly guys in 
at 10, at 14, or, you know, and you just go, okay, I'm going to succumb to that. Uh, but this one, I refuse to. This is the one that I, this is going to be the highlight of everything. Cause people this is in, Terrell Edmonds going in the first round. People in Cincinnati are totally convinced that I hate the Bengals, which I <laughs> truly don't. This is not going to help. This isn't going to help. And yeah. this will not help at all. Uh, but, of course, they lose both their safety positions. And uh, so Anthony Johnson out of Iowa State, you've never even heard of him. Don't even look him up. You'll never find him. <laughs> And But he played his first four years at cornerback at, at Iowa State. Uh, they switch him to safety in his final year. I'm not sure it really makes any difference. Iowa State plays this sort of four-cross defense, so it's a lot of man coverage. And so he was continuing to do that. He's a 4-5 guy uh, at the safety position. Uh, but, man, is he a physical dude. He comes flying up ripping people and, and i know we've got uh, you know the alabama safety right, that everybody loves but this guy's a better player <laughs> he's a better player i, I wow. just that's that's my opinion of it really um he, he's attacking hard from 10 yards deep he's making plays at the line of scrimmage he hits like a linebacker i guarantee he played linebacker in high school somewhere uh, he can play man coverage. You get into some of those those cover zeros that everybody wants to play. Some teams simply cannot play them because they don't have enough speed at the safety position to put him on the slot and expect him to survive. Not only did he survive, but he was he thrives uh, in there. And and I just such a downhill player. Um, they um, there was a, just a couple of plays that I just keep putting on there like. This guy is a Pro Bowl safety. He's just gonna be. He's gonna be the guy. And and I'll I'll go down. And I know Michael Mayer is gonna be everybody. I'm gonna rate. I know everybody at Notre Dame hates me, so that's good. Everybody at Alabama with Brian Branch, they're gonna hate me too. Um, but I just went with what I saw in the film, and I thought this guy was the best. This might be the biggest outlier. This is Cole Strange ranking Cole Strange. I've seen from anybody in this in this I love draft. It. So, oh, we need. Uh, it's, is it on? You test it. Gotcha. So he's number ninety on the uh, on the PFF big board, right? So we're what pick twenty eight. And that's because of B, I think my number. Right, and that's yeah. that's because of a couple of things that are pushing him up. According to Arif Hassan's consensus big board, he ranks number two hundred and sixty three. There you go. Which so. Is, <clears throat> Quite I'll tell you low. what, I have heard of him. So when I'm when I'm playing around with my draft model during the season See. and it's just production based, he was a model identifier. He was one of the guys that was super high, like just from a pure production standpoint at corner before moving to safety. So I was actually keeping an eye on him a lot during the season, but his grades tapered off a little bit this year, so he tapered off from uh, but it's also his first year playing yeah. safety, but right? Like, I get it. I can see it. He yeah. had he had a two point play this year. Did you see it? We'll look it up right now. So this guy, he was in the flat. He was one yard off the line of scrimmage uh, guarding somebody. Pass was completed 25 yards down the field. He turned and sprinted. The receiver had to make two guys miss, so it slowed him down a little bit. This kid not only caught him at the end zone, I mean on the one-half-yard line, knocked the ball off out, Iowa State recovered. It was spectacular. Um, oh, that was the other thing that stood out. He did have one of the top max speeds over the last couple of years in the uh, in-game speed metrics. He plays like – I'll bet you from the 10 yards deep in the secondary to the line of scrimmage, he's one of the fastest guys. He looks like Polamalu or somebody coming down 
with a passion for the game. I mean, that to me, that's that was one of the things that I just thought I go. He has the speed to go sideline to sideline because he's a former corner. He hits like a tank. He can play man coverage in the slot if you need him to. You know, it just gives Cincinnati that kind of versatility that I don't think the other two safeties have. I, I really, with Branch, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting him in there in just a straight man-to-man coverage on a slot receiver in the NFL, but I would this guy. Max speed 23.1. Yeah. Tied with uh, some other guys for the best that, uh, that, in the nation. Uh, that other uh, consensus board that I sent you, the little widgety one, yeah. that has him at uh, number 230, and that's being dragged up by the PFF ranking, which has him up I there. see him at 178 as of last week. I mean, week in addition to taking you know that, that level of jump, also taking him above Brian Branch. I mean, Bengals fans, I look. I don't want to read it. I know. I know. I don't want to read it. I would like to officially distance myself from this take. This is all Chris. I love this. He's playing curl flat. There's the bomb. Everyone else blows it on the field. Sprints down. Forces the fumble at the goal line against Kansas State. Saves a touchdown. That's your 23 mile an hour? That's. It's got to be, I think that's a 23 miles an hour play. I think that's also, uh, that's how I found Kevin Byard. Really good player. But then you saw him playing, uh, just chasing plays from behind against Alabama. And he looks super fast. Hey, I love it. It's bold. Has the chat gotten upside down? I haven't yet? even seen if the chat did. I haven't checked <laughs> Nuclear. Couple more picks here. 29. New See, Orleans if, Saints. if people dropped off early, they got bored and they dropped off. They missed that. They missed the your explosion. Deep sleeper. Yeah, they missed the explosion. Don't bring your Anthony Johnson notes for night one, though. I don't think he's actually going to get picked, but who knows? Maybe he will. I love it, Chris. Well, I love the that. good news is the chat started off well. Uh, the first one, at least Chris has different takes. That was DJ. By the way, it's usually a safety anyway. It's like some random because yes. everybody sees yeah, safeties yeah, yeah. differently. Right. There's always a random safety that just gets snuck into the first round anyway. Somebody else pointed different does not equal good. And then it started to go south from that point on. I, I'm just going to bet that I've watched more tape on this guy than, <laughs> than anybody making chat. that comment. I think that's probably so true. Chris, it, it, you backed up your points. And I appreciate it. I mean, you guys have seen my document. I've got yeah, there's, 75 pages of notes here. Yeah. It's not like I haven't watched this tape. These I, are nonstop notes a lot here. of notes for this guy. Add these to our text analytics analysis here. There you uh, go. Saints on the clock here at pick 29. Yeah, you know, they've, they've just lost too much on that defensive line to, to not go defensive line. And, and uh, Nolan Smith is that freaky athlete that could be a little bit of anything. And, and so I, I just – I, I put him in there. He's he's coming off the torn pectoral on October 29th in, in the Florida game. Um, he You look at the sack numbers and you go, oh, boy, it's, it's not impressive. But he did was leading Georgia with three sacks at the time that he was there. But 4-3-9 coming off the edge, like what the hell? Um, somebody, one of our guys had, uh, I think Renner had this note, that no NFL edge was under 240 pounds in the NFL last year. He's 235. Right. Um, so, in, but he's another 41 and a half inch vertical. He's got all in the 90th percentile, uh, just a, a fantastic athlete. And I thought one of the untold stories of him would be, which is becoming pretty prominent in the league right now is his ability to spy. You put him in the middle of the field and just go, look, we've got one of those mobile quarterbacks and Wherever he goes, I just want you to go. Don't let him. We're going to play two-man. Yeah. Just don't let him run up the middle here and, and, and beat us. And um, so it really is. He, and I thought more than that, he, he, you know, he can take a shot. Some of those pullers coming on the edge I thought would just blow him up. 
they really didn't. Uh, he has the speed on, and we talked about the paradigm shift in the NFL now with some of the read option stuff and the RPO. But with that ability to play the inside read kind of running game uh, and still be able to get out on the quarterback or reverse or what, yeah, yeah, be able to play. But that's a good way of putting it. I like yeah. that. I'm going to steal that. Um, and he just has really great flexible positions with his body and maintaining speed when he's dipping and ripping under people. You know, he's he's strong coming around the edge, which which I like. And he strikes a blow. When he gets there, he, he comes up big. And uh, the bootlegs to his side are really hard. It's really hard to go, oh, I'm going to bootleg into that physical freak over there. So, But they lost, uh, you know, their tackles, Onyemata and Shy Tuttle, and they lost Marcus Davenport on the D-line. And just feels like he fits. I've been burned by undersized pass rushers before, but I love his power. I do think he – has power you know packs a punch in that 235 plus pound frame so and i'm i like nolan smith i'm less concerned about compact undersized than i am you know like the the ones i think that are really concerning are the long thin guys that just don't have to look like wide outs or something yeah they just don't have the just the the side like the girth to to be able to play against tackles whereas if you're at least compact and undersized and you know put together well you have a leverage advantage like you have something to bring to the table all right who's up now philadelphia eagles back on the clock at pick 30 already got brian Brissy, the defensive tackle out of clemson where are the eagles going here at pick 30 well i mean so again i always start off and i think corners wide receivers running backs blah blah, blah and i go no 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 it's the philadelphia eagles that's not what they're gonna do and so I took Darnell Wright of Tennessee. I, he's sort of the perfect guy for them is that, you know, when they've gotten a couple of injuries, whether it's Lane Johnson or whoever, uh, you know, they need some position flexibility in there. And this, this Darnell Wright to run five flat basically in the 40, it's at 333 pounds. He, he moved over to the right side, right? He went from left tackle to right tackle and had by far his best year but if there is a guy in this draft that you're going to see pancake blocks from, he's a force. I mean, he's – I've seen a few defensive players just go, I'm not running in there again. They kind of just smeared him and like, I'm not doing that again. I'm just growing in there and this guy is just mauling me. Uh, but to not give up a sack after changing sides and, and going to the other side, to the right side – uh, gave up pressure to 1.7% rate, which ranked him third. Uh, I probably am going to move Darnell Wright up in, in this mock draft when I look back at it. Um, but no sacks this year. I, I really I, I like him. I, I just thought that he was – if somehow he's still there with the Eagles, he gets a little top-heavy sometimes in protection. He's, you know, he's not the perfect pass blocker, but – you know, he fixed a lot of things being over there on the right side. And, and I, I thought he played really well against Alabama and Will Smith. and or not, uh, Will Anderson. Anderson, yeah. Will Smith. He probably would play well <laughs> against Will Smith. Um, it, so, I, you know, he, he feels like he'd be a great pick if the, if the Eagles got him there. Yeah, I think Wright will end up going higher. Yeah. A lot of people seem to like him. Rumors all the way up to the top nine or so with the Bears maybe. Yeah, that none of that would surprise me. Yeah. Anywhere, yeah. You know? None of that would surprise me. The good news is it's impossible to create a mock draft that Eagles fans will like. Like there's no two player combination that they will accept as a good combination. So it doesn't matter what you do for 
<laughs> you always especially use one that I make. <laughs> no, definitely not. You, uh, they have you have a special place in their heart. Shrines. Right? They have shrines in, uh, to me in good. Philly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. You talk about future-proofing their roster a lot. Yeah. You know, having a, the next right tackle for Lane Johnson, who's getting mm -hmm. a little bit older and having more depth. Very Eagles move. Yep. All right, last pick. Kansas City Chiefs defending Super Bowl champions at pick 31. Where are the Chiefs going? I couldn't leave Hendon Hooker out. I like him too much. And I, I started thinking about this thing. And I go, you know what? I mean, the only thing that really knocks the Chiefs out of contention is if something happens to Patrick for four or five games and they just don't have that. They did fine last year in the playoff game with their backup quarterback coming in there. But if you get Hendon Hooker uh, for the next five years by taking him Lamar Jackson-like at right. the end of the first round, so you get him for that extra year, what you're going to need, I think he'll be ready by after the knee injury. He's 25 years old. I get it. ACL, but he does a lot of good things. I, I mean, so again, I went back to the positive and negative plays. And he only had six 1.0, minus 1.0, or lower plays. So he doesn't make the big mistakes. And only one of those six was a pass. All of them were sack, fumble, you know, when he got hit and threw an interception on, you know, those kind of plays. But it wasn't him just being stupid uh, with the footballs. Um, and, you know, and, and we've seen him throw the deep balls. He's got good receivers on the outside. He, he hits the deep balls. It's a funky kind of offense that they do. Yeah. Um, you know, he got killed by Jalen Carter on a, on a sack play in, in, the, in the end zone in their game. But, I, but and he can run. I mean, I don't know what he's going to be after the knee injury, but when you watch him, if you just took a picture of all these guys standing in the pocket – and delivering the ball, he stands up straight. He's he's motions over the top. Um, his read options ability, at least before the knee, is is something that that looked good to me. I, I just thought that he was a good looking player. And you know, anytime a quarterback comes in and a program gets lifted, I mean, clearly Tennessee got lifted with him playing quarterback and got competitive in the SEC. So. There's my uh, there's my backup emergency plan for five games for the Kansas City Chiefs. Chad Henney has been a key part of both championships for the Chiefs. Bizarrely. 99-yard drive against the Jaguars yeah. last year. He had the game-clinching drive against the Cleveland Browns in 2019. So backup quarterback for the Chiefs, potentially important. How, how hard is it to project Hendon Hooker to the NFL coming out of that offense? Because that... Like you, it's a good point. It's impossible to it's dislike. It's a good point. Him, no, right? I, 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 you can't construct an argument that says Hendon Hooker is bad because he's good at everything he's been asked to do so far, right? The, the argument against him is not what he can't do. It's that what he was doing is so far removed from what he's going to have to do. There's a huge gap of uncertainty to bridge. Yeah, there is, and, and especially work in the middle of the field and traditional routes that he's going to have to find Kelsey. He's going to have to be able to, you know, pick apart in the middle. Um, but, you know, for me, he's a put him with the right coach kind of guy, and Andy Reid. I mean, I, I, sometimes I want to play this game. I don't say this out loud very often. <laughs> But if Patrick Mahomes doesn't go to Kansas City and he goes to wherever or wherever the other team oh, sure. was, you know, yeah. the Bears, is he Patrick Mahomes? Right. 
I don't know. And you're smart not to say that out loud very often. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's okay. Like that. It's okay to say Patrick Mahomes is awesome and you got to go to Andy Reid who helped make you awesome. Yeah, and, it's okay. And he sat out for a year. Yeah. And he learned. And because the thing about, about Patrick, when you watched him on – somebody sent me a thing of what I said about him. But it was – I mean, he really was a wild man in college. Yeah. I mean, it was wild watching him play. Yeah. I'm like – Wow, Brett, he made Brett Favre look calm on some of the things that he did. But then once that got disciplined and reeled in, it's the reason it's always hard to not go with the traits, you know, with the speed and the strength and the vertical and all the different things. Because there are enough Patrick Mahomes out there, enough Josh Allens out there that were that had major flaws that got fixed, but it was the physical skills that they brought to the table uh, that were and, and a little bit of that edge of being a little wild kind of plays. It's kind of the mentality you want in the quarterback position. You know, you don't want somebody who's going to try and go everything on a 14 play drive down the field. I, I don't see that winning in the NFL. You have to have big plays in the NFL to win football games. Uh, and I like that mentality. And I think Hooker will bring some of that. Another different pick. In the mock draft. I like it. Though. I Good would go out on a limb and say that's a unique one as well. I don't think you're going to find another Hendon Hooker to Kansas City pick in the first round. The official <laughs> mock with maybe some tweaks will be at pff.com tomorrow. And we're going to be back here Thursday night. Of course, we're here tomorrow as well. PFF NFL podcast. But hit the like button and the subscribe button and the bell. And the bell. So you get the notification. Thursday night, we are live, 7.45 p.m. Round one. Chris will be with us. Trevor Sikama covering round one wall-to-wall, two and three then, on uh, Friday. Trash comes in, right? And then mm-hmm. the closer, Anthony Trash and Seth Galina. Seth, coming in. Seth knows some football Seth now. is the Seth setup is going to have – you think I have some takes. Seth is – he is – he's good. Seth he's, will Seth's be the good. setup man on Friday and then Trash the closer on Saturday. So there we go. All, all week we're here on the PFF YouTube channel, so be sure to tune in. So – Chris, appreciate it. That was great. It was fun. No, appreciate you wearing a Gator jacket, man. Yeah, did that for you. Your two Gators better. made your uh, your first round mock, so that was good. All right, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow with more PFF NFL Podcast.